Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dice Abide Live Game Show Applause. Yay! <laughs> I'm your host, Adam, and with me, as always, is the wisest of Ken size, the... What did I use last week? The peanut butter to my jelly? Yeah, the peanut butter to my jelly. Oh, man. The the Spock to my con, John. <laughs> okay, there you go. Uh, yay! Um, <laughs> How's it going, John? Not too bad. Things are going okay. I spilled. I had a little bit of a party foul at the beginning. I spilled a bit of my whiskey, so I'm gonna have oh, to. No. I'm gonna have to fill it up again with this Oishi whiskey sherry cask, which has been sitting in my alcohol cabinet for a while. It needs to get drunk. Because okay. it, it goes, it goes bad. You got, you got to oh, drink it. It does. It does go bad. You got to drink it. Oh, excellent. Well, that sounds much better than what uh, you've been drinking recently. So, welcome. <laughs> yes, very true. Welcome out of the, welcome back from the abyss of terrible whiskey. Oh my God, it was uh, so bad. T- tonight, I'm enjoying a monkless Belgian ale from Bend, Oregon. It's a Belgian dark style ale. Bend is, Bend is a really good beer place too. There's all kinds. It of is a fantastic stuff. place. Well, cheers. Let's get it started. All right. So why don't you uh, why don't you take it away tonight with the news? Yeah, so there's not a huge amount of news, um, except that uh, one thing, we did get podcast chapters working. What? So, so yeah, if you're, <clears throat> if you're watching this not on Twitch or not on YouTube, um, and you're using a podcast app on your phone, if your app supports it, most do, um, you can actually see chapter images um, as you're listening to the podcast. So as, as uh, we go through the... The podcast, we flash up things like lists or model pictures. Uh, I will annotate the podcast with those images so you can see them on your phone while you're working out or pooping or whatever. So that's, that's super a, cool. That's so, a thing. so kind of brings some of the, the highlights from the, the live stream to the podcast. Exactly. And now that I figured out how to do it, I went back and uh, annotated all of our old episodes as well. So the painting um picking kind of competition one that we did um a couple episodes ago has all of the submissions that we rated in there um so you can, oh that's really you can cool see it. yeah and i tried to sync it up with um when we talked about it you know it's, it's, it's just me clicking around so it's not perfect but it's it's as close <laughs> as it's gonna get well you definitely would go back and uh, add it to the previous episodes of course, of course i would why wouldn't i i guess there's only been a few so yeah it's not too bad um so excellent. Let's uh, let's go ahead and can continue on and talk a bit about our hobby progress from the week. Yeah, you want to take it off? Sure, let's do it. So I haven't had much uh, in the way of Infinity progress. Instead, I've been working a bit on my my Blood Bowl team. So right here we've got. I don't know is my is my screen being shared? It is now. <clears throat> excellent, excellent. So here we go. We've got four Dark Elf Blitzers for my Dark Elf team. Um, Dark Elves like having Blitzers. They're really, really freaking good on the team. Um, I didn't want them all looking the same, so I've hacked them up with a couple extra lineman bodies. Uh, or actually, lineman groins and thighs are pretty much the only part of the lineman <laughs> that I use. Um, use the lower legs from the Blitzer, the upper torso from the Blitzer. And then did uh, did some head swaps with the lineman. This is a little bit of an older photo. I haven't taken a newer picture, but I changed the crests on them to use crests left over from uh, some dark... Elf Corsairs that I had from Warhammer Fantasy. Um, so here we have the whole team in all of its glory. Uh, it has a whole mess of linemen. Um, even though it's not going to come up probably in any of our leagues, in some of the tournament builds, you end up with like eight Dark Elf linemen, like just a Whoa. just a mess of them because they're they're just so good. Like they you know they're edge four, good armor. They all have dodge presumably. No, 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 nothing. Oh, they're they're not, not like Amazons. Not, they're right. not Amazons. Yeah, they're not, not interested they're not, anymore. They're not that cool. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so those are the guys I've been working on. Uh, I meant to prime them, uh, and that is when I noticed that I used up all of my GW Black Primer getting my military orders ready to go. Oh, no. So, yep, that involved a, a trip down to Glimpses where Derek informed me that uh, as of yesterday, they can start ordering GW again. So hopefully oh, good. I'll get some Black Primer soon. Maybe um, I can order I, some Skaven for myself. Oh, man, you monster. I know. You monster. That's pretty bad. <laughs> So while uh, while we've been out looking around at Blood Bowl, um, getting our little fumble league going, I've also been kind of eyeballing a couple of the things that I might want to buy uh, and add to the old yeah. collection later. <clears throat> right? You can never have too many Blood Bowl teams. Yeah. Um, so I really got my eye on these uh, Gaspez Arts Chaos Dwarfs. They're it's just, the hats. It's the hats. It's the hats. It's the hats. It's the hats. You know, they're the they're the classic chaos dwarf look with a slightly more modern proportions to them and some more modern uh, motifs i just i just love everything about them um i had a massive massive chaos dwarf army back in college that uh that wandered off in somebody else's car unfortunately one day oh no uh, oh yeah i mean when I, so when i worked there you used to be able to buy uh pewter bits by the gram mm. it was something like four cents a gram oh, so wow. i i ordered um a lot of chaos dwarfs, probably 250 some odd infantry. Oh my god! Uh, between the the dwarfs and the uh, and the hobgoblins, so I've always had a, a a big nostalgic draw to the to the big hats. And these guys, they just capture it perfectly with the with the eyebrows that go over the hats, mm-hmm. the, yep. the, must, the mustaches yep. that come out of the nostrils, and the tusks that come up and over the over the mustache. It's it's pretty spot on to the. One might say it's over the top. I'm going to ignore it and keep going. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But no, they do a really good job kind of nailing that classic aesthetic. I've looked at a couple other teams um, and these guys are just doing it for me. Nice. So yeah. What are you, uh, what are you even working on? Well, I unfortunately have been very busy uh, doing like house cleaning stuff and work has been pretty crazy. So I actually haven't had a time to sit at my, um, my hobby desk for very much. I did get a few brush strokes in on, um, on a Kreeza. Uh, which I've been working okay. on, which I'm thinking about uh, sharing with the uh, MayaCast, um, well, sending it to the MayaCast competition thing, because um, it's got a big gun, the big Swick thing going on now. Uh, so I can't, I can't share it here because this, I guess, counts as social media. Uh, but I have been mm-hmm. eyeing, I have been eyeing uh, all kinds of uh, Blood Bowl stuff too. So um, the uh, there's a Kickstarter. Um, who, who's the company again for this? Um, Oh, it was uh, Grebo. No, the other one. The starts with a P. Oh, Ponga Miniatures. Yeah, Ponga Miniatures. They have a new Kickstarter going, and so here's the uh, the uh, Egyptian themed team that is part of the Kickstarter. It's got some fun, a lot of fun stuff in there, which I'm really excited about, uh, especially because the Crypt Guardians <coughs> and the Flesh Golems look really, really rad. Super jazzed. They're pretty that. rad. Yeah, and then with a with a, it's technically the what is it the Necromantic team, but if you uh, buy yeah. like a, a there's like a plug-in pack you can get. Which turns it turns it into uh, yeah here it is um, the shambling team. yeah which turns it into a shambling team which I or, which I already play on fumble and really enjoy um, the other uh, third army in the Kickstarter is um, this vampire buccaneers team which yeah. is which is pretty great I mean who doesn't like this this is very like pirate buccaneer vampire vibe going on like this guy's got like a hook for like a like a all like a pokey thing for a hand whatever right. um, but I mean if you're going to go for a vampire team. I would um, suggest the Grebo uh, bat 
vampire <laughs> one as a as a reasonable alternative because i mean it's amazing and who wouldn't want to feel <laughs> those, that those are fantastic just yeah. the, the the one in the lower right hand corner with its hands on its cheeks yeah that one yeah. that one really gets me well, I, I showed yeah. hmm? There's there's a there's a there's a diorama right here right so you get you get the top left vampire guy who's just like dabbing away the blood because he oh, just sure. he just bit the bottom middle guy right mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. <laughs> and I then see. the guy on the yep. bottom right's like oh no what happened like that's <laughs> that's the thing that's that's exactly what it should be um, it's it's a beautiful thing yeah I've been eyeballing some of their their cutemol teams as well I really like their penguin team oh yeah the uh, penguin team is pretty freaking good and i'll flash that up real quick oh my god yeah the penguin team and then the the lizard team is pretty adorable too but the the penguin team kind of takes it away yeah so this is their Uh, this is their norse um it's like just just the buff penguin is is the best oh yeah no he's he's (laughs) He's, so good he's just like there being swole and just like admiring his muscles and that's why he's not doing the thing he's supposed to do when he rolls a one you know yep it's pretty great and then like the berserker penguins are great too Oh yeah, the the one that's just foaming at the mouth. Yeah, they're just foaming I, at the mouth. Oh, it's so it's great. The, I love the two uh the two in the wolf pelts, the Alpha winner or whatever they are in Blood Bowl. Yeah. Also yeah. also excellent. So yeah, I was wandering around the uh the um the Grebo site and then I found these, which used to be a full team, but now are no sadly no longer available for purchase. But there's some really amazing star players. Just look at this thing and how cool that looks. <laughs> The the super weeby Skaven. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like what I like. I'm not gonna apologize. But like, <laughs> like it's just it's just so good. Um, so I've been eyeing these for a long time, and I've been discussing this with you and PJ and other Blood Bowl players, and being like, how do I how do I get my hands on sort of a a, a weebed out Skaven team? And there's a bunch of like head, alternate heads you can get, but they're out of print. And so thankfully, um. That other company came to my rescue with these pie rats, which is oh there you uh, go yep which is pretty fantastic too. They're <laughs> yeah right. They don't they don't hit the wee bangle, but man they are a rad looking dude. Yeah I mean like look at this lineman he's just like puffing away first mate something something right yep and then stabby mick like finger finger ball thing like what is that he's got like a weird thing on his I don't know what's but right yeah, this is I mean th- <laughs> these are their throwers which is just amazing like a big cannon. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, so that's that's definitely probably going to have to at some point. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty pretty excited about all of them. Fantastic. Yeah, no, it's a great looking team too. Yeah, so I mean, I I've heard some people say that um the acquiring models counts as hobby. So Yeah, yeah, we're doing it. We're hobbying so hard. <laughs> so hard. Oh man, excellent. So speaking of all this Blood Bowl, um have you been getting any games in this last week? Yeah, so actually this is a fun little interlude, right? So it's like right now, uh, you know, as as people probably have heard if they've been watching our other or listening to our other podcast episodes, I, I've been doing a lot of remote gaming as um and Fumble, for those of you who don't know, is like um it's like a 1990s version of Blood Bowl, right? Everything is pixel art. Uh, it's written in like some ancient Java thing and it like barely works, but it, it's functional and it's reasonably reliable and people like thousands of people use it to play. And there's like how many games, like like several million games on Fumble, right? Oh yeah, they've been recorded. Yeah, yeah. It's just and like it records all of your stats, like every game that's ever been played. Like you can look at the history of players, like this player had... 29 interceptions in a single game and like you can go look up that player and it'll tell you like when they died right right well if you want to show my screen right now um i've kind of brought up what it looks like for people that that aren't familiar yeah um 
you know, the numbers on here are for a different image, so just ignore those the overlaid. But you can see that this is like Sega-ish quality graphics. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is definitely not impressive, but the, the sound effects are super cheesy and hilarious at the same time. If by cheesy you, know, you mean amazing, then yes. <laughs> just the, the doink you hear yep. every time the ball. Yep. Oh, my God. It's my favorite. Down somewhere. The, yeah. Whenever someone gets hit, it's... Yeah. Or the and then the best part is that uh, when stuff dies, like you can see on Adam's screen right now, like when stuff dies, it just leaves a red blood splotch and it stays there the whole game. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, the, it's the, the Blood Bowl two exists, right? Like, which is the, yeah. the beautiful three dimensional video game, um, and it's fantastic. Uh, I actually kind of enjoy Fumble more though because it gets rid of the it gets rid of the decoration and kind of distills the game just yeah. down to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that it plays a lot quicker than uh than blood bowl 2 just because you're not waiting you're not waiting for all the animations to complete right uh the roles like that turnovers happen instantly there's no like rah, the fans cheering all it's and that's fun i enjoy that flavor but i think when it just comes to like i want to crank out a game yeah exactly uh, fumble does it fantastic and and it's doable when you're doing other stuff right so as we were writing the show notes for this show i was playing ob earlier mm-hmm. like this week mm-hmm. and um yeah it, it was able to to get a full game in while while being productive, um, and it, I so I think it, I think I like it better than in person gaming for this game specifically. Okay. Um, mainly, be, I I love the models. The models are definitely for me the draw to the game. Right, they're just so characterful as we just saw. Um, mm-hmm. But the reason why I like fumble so much is it lets me get the, like the real itch for me, which is which is the tactical gameplay and then the ridiculousness that happens and getting to hang out with people and have a shared experience. Right, which is what the game is sure. all about. Uh, and I can do it while I'm doing anything else. It's, I'm distractible, right? It's asynchronous. Uh, it's, it's got everything that I like. So yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan for that. Awesome, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's been a, it's been a good time. You know, I think that uh, for me, you know, this is, this has been a really fun week of playing. I've developed two teams kind of up to the point where I, where they start being fun for me. Um, I developed up my humans, uh, which kind of start boring, um, you know, cause they're kind of like, they're not really good at throwing. They're not really good at bashing. Um, but with some skill advancements and some extra money, you know, eventually you start adding like an ogre to your team. Uh, and it really kind of shifts the gameplay and it gets them to a spot where they're really, they're really fun and interesting. And similar with my, uh, with my dark elves, um, they have now got to the point after getting thoroughly smashed by, uh, by Nate and by PJ, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sending, sending just bodies off the field. Um, they're kind of getting to the point where they're really fun and literally the campaign play, um, and how easily, uh, fumble handles the campaign play has been really great. Yeah. It just abstracts all that stuff away from you. You don't need to do anything related to that at all. Uh, it just lets you play the game and then just get out and you can do something else. So it's, 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 um, it's, it's kind of like the difference between hobby and video gaming, right? Mm-hmm. As a hobby. So like if I'm in the middle of painting, I can put down my brush at any time. The only time I can't put down something, like if you know, the, the, the wife calls and says like, oh, can you help me with this? Is if I'm like holding two sure. pieces waiting for glue to set. And that only takes like 30 seconds and then you're done, especially if you use like ZipKicker. Uh, but if you're playing a video game, you have to like stop, stop, save, quit, tell the other guys on your raid that like you're in the, you gotta go and then you get yelled at by everybody, right? Right, fumble, right. You can just get up and go at any time. I'm, I'm that's true, that's true. Because that. it'll, it'll save games too. Right, you can just say like, "Hey, yeah, sorry, really Adam, nice. um, I gotta run." You're like, "Okay, cool." You X out, you're done. Walk away, come back tomorrow. Fantastic. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Yeah. So I guess without getting 
do I want to avoid getting too deep into talking about Blood Bowl? Sure. Um, and actually, this is probably where we're going to reveal that that next week uh, we're probably going to devote the whole episode to it. Yep. Um, so, but yeah, the, that's kind of all the gaming we've had. I don't think either one of us has squeezed in uh, any Infinity or other other game related gaming. Nope. So. <laughs> <laughs> just lots of blood bowl it's it's a little addictive it's really um, addictive i've definitely been staying up way too late playing blood bowl it's mostly peter franco's fault i blame him it's like 11 45 he's like anybody want a game right yeah no that's yeah. that's his mo for sure and it's and he's uh, in our time zone too so it's not like he doesn't know oh, what time yeah. it is there's he he can stay up very late i don't know if he sleeps there there have been nights where where lauren and i have gone out with him to a concert and we're with him until two o'clock in the morning. And then it's like for us, it's like, okay, this we need to go to sleep. We go home and we go to sleep. And he's still going out with, with some other group of friends. And then we meet him the next morning for brunch. Goodness gracious. <laughs> he's still with them. He's a so monster. He, he's he's a machine. He lives a a, a different a, life. a different clock than than either of us do. Yep. Um so with that, let's move right along to our main the the main event this week. Uh, which we're really going to be talking about, um, list building. It's, uh, mm-hmm. It is sometimes the list. It is sometimes the list. You know, it's, I really like the statement, you know, it's not the list, it's you. Um, but at the same time, you're the person who wrote the list. Right. Presumably. Yeah. Um, so there, there is room for, uh, for some user error in there. Yeah, for sure. So the things that I think we really want to talk about are, um, kind of some ways for people to approach list building. Yep. Right. Whether they are exploring a new army and kind of feeling out the the capabilities, um, or if people who are targeting maybe uh, a specific set of missions. Right. Like you're approaching an ITS tournament, something similar, or non-ITS. You know, it's same concept, right? Like you, but you're you're coming up to a tournament or an event where you know you're going to play a certain scenario and you want to build uh, to meet the the goals and requirements of that. Right. Um, so today. Um, we're going to target on, we're going to kind of focus on a specific set of missions, which we're when we get around or when we get down to it, we're going to be talking to, uh, about the list that you brought to the best of the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. Um, and time provided, we'll even live build a list <sighs> for, for the Rose City Raid 2020. Ah, show off the, yeah, that thing. Yeah. That, this thing. There you go. Boom. Yeah. That thing that didn't happen. Um, for those that are watching us in the podcast, John is wearing his Rose City Raid 2020 shirt while I'm wearing my Rose City Raid 2020 hoodie, uh, which is very comfortable. Buy yours now on Threadless. <laughs> um, <laughs> shameless plug. Yeah. But well, so the, the link, the link to that is on what the Is that where it is? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Excellent. Excellent. Um. Yeah. So, uh, we'll be doing that, and then, um. So yeah, why don't we get into a little bit about maybe around the idea of uh, exploring a new army, John. Yeah, so, I mean, here's a great example, right? So what just happened? Well, we got effectively six new armies, right? Yeah. So there's four new Code 1 armies, which are the same as all the original factions there, but they're, like, super stripped down. All the profiles are different. There's missing profiles, like, there's missing unit types, all kinds of things like that. So it, it there are four, I would say, completely new armies that are balanced differently. And then we have White Banner and Svalor Haima. Um so when all this first came out, I think what uh, the White Banner and Svall came out first, I think, right? And we didn't actually get the army builder for a while. Um, yeah. So so the first thing that we did was we started fooling around with uh, the effects of um, 
the uh, the new armies on vanilla. At least that's the first thing that we did, I think, right? Because uh, we're primarily vanilla players, the two of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we're like, oh, what is this? Like, what what got added to vanilla? And we just and then we started delving into like what kind of links you can build in the sectorials. But really, the first thing you need to do is you need to go to. Uh, I'll show you here. Uh, the most important thing you need to do is this. So you go to, let's say, Svalhama, um, and then you go to the Weapon tab, and you look for mm-hmm. Blitzen or anything that starts with EM. So there's an Emirat in this, so you know that this is a, you know that this is a good sectoral. <laughs> there, you, there you go. That's the uh, that is that's that's step issue. one. <laughs> Um, but more seriously, right? You, you sort of start to look at like, you know, what what tools am I familiar with already, right? Because a lot of new sectorials, you have old stuff in them, like Fusiliers. You know, everybody you know who's played Infinity for a while knows what a Fusilier is, knows how it works. And then you say, okay, what 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 gets added to this? Uh, what kind of additional capabilities are there? Are there any new like movement tricks or tools available to this faction that weren't there before? Things like that. But I mean, I think everybody approaches this a little differently. Um, you know, I think the first thing that we do is look for uh, impacts to vanilla because those are that's our favorite playstyle. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But there are plenty of people that lo- like launch in, and the first thing they do is they look for wild cards, right? Or they look sure. for like what lists, what links they can have. Um, so yeah, I mean it's different for everybody. Um, and honestly, like there's uh, there in all of our infinity-based chats, there were a lot of uh, screenshots of lists flying around once Foul and White Banner came out. I was like, oh my god, you can build this thing. Look how cheap this is. Or like, oh my god, look at this ridiculous link that I built. Or you, these these can duo, right? Like those are all right. kinds of comments that happen. Or like, this guy has what skill and how much does he cost? Um, so there's a lot of that. But I, I think I think mm-hmm. it's it's a very um, personal um, uh, like a personal experience and journey that you need to go through when you uh, start evaluating new sector. I don't know if you have any thoughts on, more thoughts on that. Well, yeah. So for me kind of like you you hit the nail on the head where it's like i kind of prefer vanilla gameplay um i'm really looking looking for the toolbox that i'm getting from a unit and from an army um and not just specifically i feel like uh not just specifically the the power hitters you know the all the link bonuses i guess other than six cents really focus on emphasizing an individual model's ability to inflict a bunch of damage um and like that is it's kind of a more straightforward way to play and while when i first started this game i didn't really recommend sectorals for beginners and i still don't really um i see why they can be in some ways easier to pilot because of that right or it's it's, it's kind of like the, the you know concept behind pano like i i get the guy with the big gun and i shoot you and your guy dies yeah and that's how i win the game um there there is one there's one benefit to sectorals which i see often uh expressed and I agree with is that there's just less stuff, right? Yeah, totally. Way less paralysis analysis. Yeah. Like this isn't to say I don't play sectorals. I only have one vanilla army, which is the combined, and then I've got like seven sectorals. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's actually both those reasons. Like it, it, it makes list building quick and easy, um, because I have less to pick from, and also um keeps the collection concise because it is a more, uh, you know, a, a more um restricted yeah to pick from. yeah you, and then you prevent having to buy more models and then buy another model cabinet not that i've ever had that problem i've got, i'm on three yeah right <laughs> exactly i'm i just i was like does ikea deliver right now because i i need more furniture do they they do they do i looked into this uh they do deliver um but sharon, you know sharon and i are discussing uh other changes to the house which are um putting a 
delay on where and when I can put furniture. So we'll see. <laughs> Boo. We'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, so that's that's uh, that's sort of the the sketch of how you know people people look at new things in, in Infinity. Everybody's different. But one thing that uh, I would argue that should be the same is uh, mm-hmm. how you look at building lists for a tournament. And I don't mean, you know, what do you value in units and stuff, but the general process should start in the context of the tournament. Right? Sure, that makes sense. Or I guess the, the event where you're taking it to. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. It kind of, that, that gives you the layer of context you need to evaluate individual profiles. Yes, exactly. So um, maybe we can talk about how to do that. Yeah, so let's let's start there. So before we go to the 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 how do you evaluate an army as a whole, let's go down to the you know, is this guy worth taking? This is not Infinity Miniature. This is Morgan Thorg. Um, but is this something that, that I need for my army? Not really if it's worth taking, but does it fit within um, fit within the parameters of what I need uh, to complete a game? How do I evaluate and understand what the unit does and is capable of? Um, so you already laid out step one, which is to make sure it has ZM ammo. Yep, that's the most um, important thing. That's... that's it definitely feels like it when I play against you. you know? <laughs> I mean, so, but like, so, I mean, but this, but this tells you what people, what I value in, um, in toolkit. Right. Right. So, I mean, like one, I like playing with EMM because it makes Adam sad and I enjoy trolling Adam. Right. So that's, that's one of the quote unquote real reasons, but, um, but it works against other people who aren't Adam too. Right. And, and the reason why it's good is because it solves a lot of problems with one tool. Right. So this is the whole sure. like if you know you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Well, EM is a hammer and it solves a lot of different problems. The only thing it really doesn't solve is things with veteran or total immunity. Everything right. else it just takes care of. It makes the problem go away, which is pretty rad. That's fair. That's uh that is that is absolutely valid. Yeah. I mean, um it's, and it also works the same with uh with you know adhesive yeah, in exactly. a very similar yeah. regard. Um and that's actually a change that I really hope that they bring over from uh, from code one into N four, which is the ability to reset or to dodge your way out of adhesive and EM. Um, that'll be really nice. So uh, let's talk about maybe you know, step away from the, the the love of adhesive and, and EM, uh, <laughs> and maybe talk a little bit more about um, kind of how to analyze a unit for a specific role. So uh, when you look at something like let's see, do you have Army opener, shall I run through it? Yeah, why don't you run through uh-huh. it since you're, you're yeah. running the show here. Yeah, I'll pull up I'll pull up White Banner because because I like them. Yes. Um and because I'll be because I'm doing them now. Yep. Um so the first thing is really kind of like, is this an offensive or defensive unit? Right? What are what are its offensive capabilities, what are its defensive capabilities? And this seems kind of kind of obvious when you first look at it. Um Right, like a Daufei has power, has pretty solid offense. Right, BS thirteen is is respectable. That's kind of the the key thing you're looking for in offense. Although sometimes, you know, close combat, martial arts, etc., change that equation. Um, and then what kind of weapon they're equipped with? That's like the most basic way to analyze something. Um, when you're looking at these offensive capabilities, you also have to think of them in the context of a range band, right? So just because something like a boarding shotgun is an incredibly effective weapon, but only if you're that close. So right. when you're starting to when you're starting to analyze the offensive abilities of your unit, um, understanding where they live in the context of the rest of your army uh, in their range bands is really important. Uh, a good example of where I totally messed this up, I think it was a game against you, where I brought Shasvasti and without realizing it, ah. damn near everything had an SMG or a boarding shotgun. Yes. Yeah, you know, like I had I had almost no combi rifles 
and that sucked. Yep. You know, like every, everyone talks about like, oh, the SMG, the SMG, it's so OP and it's got AP and shock and it can still go suppressive. Right. Like that's great and all, except when you need to shoot you at 16 inches. Yeah. <laughs> Although you did have a Noctifer with Dazer and yeah, that, that was hilarious. Sucked. Super that hard. Was, so that's, I think that's more of a toolkit slash defensive tool in a minute. Yeah. Um, but so understanding your unit's individual offensive capabilities, um, and where they live in the context of the rest of your army is pretty critical. And then actually similar uh, on a similar vein is defense, right? So like armor and wounds are the, the obvious things to look at for defense. Yep. Um, but also like camouflage. Camouflage is a huge defensive tool. You can't be attacked if you're in a marker state, yep. right? Like outside of you know intuitive attacks. Um, so that is a, a really powerful defensive tool. Also the ability to uh, provide a threat in your reactive turn. Um, and this is where an obvious place where link teams shine, right? A link team, everybody is getting extra blue six skill. Everybody's getting burst two in ARO. Like, yep. yeah, we get it. A fusilier is terrifying. You know, is can be terrifying in ARO. Yeah, if he's um, BS fifteen, he's terrifying. Right, but something like like the uh, something people might not think about as often as a defensive unit um, would be where is it? the Jujak. All right, so it is armor three and two wounds. That's like, you know, it's heavy infantry. It's it's on the lighter side of heavy infantry. Um, but a heavy flamethrower, right? So a model with the capability of standing around a corner, going into suppressive fire, and then when the enemy comes around the corner, they're either going to get suppressed or they're going to get heavy flamethrowered. And if they are something that's dishing out like a chain rifle, the Jujak can take that hit and keep fighting guaranteed. Yep. So... When you start thinking about defensive capabilities, it's not necessarily what is raw on the profile as the defensive stats, but also um, the model's ability to get into a position to slow the enemy down, um, as well as the ability to uh, force your enemy into making bad decisions. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's that, that's that, you touched upon two really, really good points there. The first is that um, a unit exists on both turns, the active and reactive. It has to be useful in both turns, right? Like... Uh, the Jujak is a great example. You can use it to go murder stuff in the active turn, and on the reactive turn, you're going to get a face full of napalm if you're around the corner, right? Yeah. So it does both things reasonably well, and it can stick around to do it because of its two wounds. Um, the other thing that you mentioned is that you're trying to force bad decisions, right? So um, Infinity is as much a game of rolling dice and pushing miniatures around as, as it is like getting into your opponent's head and influencing him or her into making bad decisions on the table. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to say like you you uh, intentionally try to stress them out or like you like you you uh, uh, like do something overt, right? But you know, you can do things like yeah. apply pressure on the table, right? You can say like, oh my gosh, a, a great example is um, you know the Noctifer with Dazer. That you used against me in that game, uh, you put <laughs> so it a, wasn't an Octifer with Dazer. Yeah, yeah, it was an Octifer with a Dazer next to it, right? Yes. Um, and so I, I got really distracted uh, trying to kill that thing. I threw like three or four <laughs> units at it, and they all just got missiled in the face, and it was terrible. Um, and that was a good example of Adam applying uh, positional pressure, right? Like I felt like I had to get rid of that thing just to make forward progress because my my yep. immediate valuation was um, if I kill this now then I won't have to deal with it later, and I'm going to make up the order expenditure later. When really all I need to do is uh, pay you know, an order or two every turn to bypass it with um, Cautious Move Smoker. or Smoke or something, right? Instead of spending like three models and uh, and a bunch of orders trying to kill this thing and losing them, right? So that's that's more impactful than just like paying a small tax every time. But like it's really hard sure. to, to do that um, in the moment. 
So. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Like you, you can definitely get distracted by something like that. And you know, people, the, um, the shrouded with, uh, with Dazer, like I've seen a lot of people talk about them as you put that, um, you put that Dazer as far forward as you can to prevent the enemy from advancing. Um, you know, people get really focused on the, on the, uh, the very difficult terrain aspect of it. Um, but maybe it's because of our meta. Like we have enough people with multi-terrain, where I get excited about the um, yeah. the saturation zone. Yep. Right. Or it's like cool. So multi-terrain units are going to walk right through this. I don't need to put this as far forward as I can. But if I can throw a saturation zone in front of my TO missile launcher that's only burst one anyways, like it's it's hilarious. Yeah. Like, so so uh, for those of you who aren't in our meta, just to catch you up, um, we tend to play in a. Um, a terrain-heavy meta, like difficult terrain is in a lot of tables. Also, we play with a lot of low-vis zones uh, and saturation mm-hmm. zones that are part of the terrain. So this is just the world in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> it's uh, it's a little masochistic at times. Yes. <laughs> but, but so these are all like interesting ways to think about um, offensive and defensive roles and something that actually ties really important to both offensive and defensive uh, capabilities are is deployment and flexibility. Right. So, um, you know, you know, like a shrouded with its infiltration and its camo state can deploy in a very hidden place, put out its dazer and be a gigantic uh, pain in the neck for everyone. Um, on the flip side, like there are really powerful offensive units with camouflage as well, or camouflage and infiltration. Um, the Dao Fei is a perfect example of that that I was on yep. with the with the white banner. Um, and so when you when you're building your army kind of keeping in mind what additional deployment flexibility you have. Um, it's funny thinking about there are, you know, there are plenty of missions that have exclusion zones, right? Where you can't take full advantage of your infiltration. Um, and that's a little bit incorrect because it's, you only can't take full advantage of your infiltration if you're not trying to over, if you're not trying to infiltrate up to your enemy's deployment zone. Right. Um, which is something that we inherently, like, I think, um, not just our meta, but I think it's really popular in the whole U.S. meta. You know, that's the meta that I'm most familiar with. Sure. Um, to avoid doing that, but you know, when you start to think about it, um, again, going back to hearing about how the Spanish meta is really into doing it, you look at the Dao Fei, who's Fizz 14. Yeah. You know, if you're going first, a 55% chance to have a Dao Fei up in your opponent's grill with a Spitfire, like just yeah, with a Spitfire or, or even just a multi rifle or yeah. boarding shotgun. Yep. Like that, that's an ugly mess. That is a huge, huge problem. Um, you know, when you start thinking about these units with their with their solid physique, and it's like, well, that's that's a tribute that I'm paying for that I'm rarely using because in the past I have not typically given um, much attention to the ability to over infiltrate. Yeah. Um, but that, but that man, that additional um, flexibility to deployment can really, really change a game. Yeah, and um, and and you sort of need to look at a unit holistically. Right, so here's a great example. Like, let's compare the Moran to the Bandit. Right now, they're okay. very different profiles, but just in the context of deployment. So, um, a Moran is a specialist in in the most common use used profile. It's a forward observer, has a repeater, and comes with two koalas. So it's an excellent sure. ex- excellent area control piece. Right, it exerts a lot of, um, like, it exerts a big do not go here bubble. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, and now imagine if that bubble started on your depo- opponent's deployment edge. Right. Like, like at the edge of their like right that would be awful especially if they're running like heavy heavy infantry or a tag and it's it's backed up by like three maybe four nomad hackers that sounds pretty awful but you run the risk of um you know losing the koalas 
uh, when you when you fail that roll, right? So that's oh, that's a bit of a bummer. That's fair, right? So if you look at the bandit, on the other hand, the bandit is like, okay, well, uh, it's fist thirteen, so I have a fifty percent chance mm-hmm. of making this happen, um, and um, I can take the assault hacker profile and get very similar capability, right? Like now, yeah. you know, I'm going to threaten your heavy infantry, uh, and I'm also a very competent close quarters gunfighter. Um, I've got lots of really annoying tools. Uh, do not try to stab me. It will not go well for you, right? Um, and, mean, and most importantly, uh, it's, um, it's irregular, right? So what were you going to yeah. do with that order anyway? Well, if you fail the roll, reposition, recamo, right? So I, I think I when I used to play double nomad vanilla nomad sorry double bandit vanilla nomad lists I would often try to infiltrate over infiltrate one if not both. Yeah, that actually makes a good point. Looking at the profile now, um, you know, Fizz thirteen is a pretty solid chance. Yep. Um, and when you think about it, like it's a fifty fifty chance. Like that's not something you want to hinge your strategy on. Um, but even like the boarding shotgun emauler, right? Which is well, you know, I love horrifying. <laughs> I know, right? Like, um, but if you fail it, you actually have a really good defensive piece out of it if it ends up in your deployment zone. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, being able to set up a trap where you've laid some emollers around your deployment zone and you've got a camo marker boarding shotgun hiding somewhere. Like, that's that's not a thing that you want to have to get through. And that thing's actually pretty solid in close combat. Right. So, yeah, understanding the the way that this, the deployment flexibility plays into the effectiveness of a unit is really important and you know just like infiltration airborne or airborne deployment um is awful uh it's to go against and somebody really uses it well um but it's an amazing tool and i think that um i think that you might have you might know a thing or two about using tomcats oh god tomcats Uh, are the best so tomcats combine two different forms though of um in a way deployment flexibility right so they have the airborne infiltration which is the literal how they deploy on the table flexibility, but their ability to, in a sense, deploy their equipment and deploy their force where uh, where it's needed with their climbing plus on top of that right. is disgusting. Um, you have ruined many of my games um, that were going otherwise totally fine uh, with a well-placed Tomcat. And I, 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 think, I think this goes directly to the idea of board control, right? So we talked about static board control, which is like, um, you know, morans or mine layers, right? You put a thing down, it puts an explodey thing next to it. If you walk close to it, you get hacked, you get exploded. Like, the player doesn't actually have to do anything with that, right? It just, it just mm-hmm. exists in this bubble of don't go here. But things like bandits and tomcats, right? They exert a mobile um, area of effect, right? So the thing that you thought was safe, right? Like let's say, um, I think there was one game we were playing Akari, and you had a you had a Kaitsotsu on a roof or something that I oh, thought yeah, was yeah, your yeah. lieutenant, um, and it was you know within I think 12 inches of the board edge. It's yep. not safe from a Tomcat, right? It will no. come get you. Yeah, I I I believe that that was a decoy in that game, if I remember it correctly. Was, yes. I'm not 100 percent positive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah. but when you were going for it, um, it made me very glad it was a decoy. Yes, because it was it was it was so easy to get there, right? Like, yeah, you were like, oh god, I did not expect there to be a guy on the roof with my mans. That that shouldn't yeah, happen you know, ever. Fifty fifty chance you could have you could have just as easily the tomcat gone for the other one, right? And I would have been the same problem with my lieutenant risk risk instead of uh, you know the poor uh, the poor setup that was pretending to be. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think that uh, the really when you're analyzing the 
your your lists um, and the units that your individual profiles that you're taking, it's their ability to where they can deploy and how quickly they can redeploy right. um, using skills like climbing plus, using high movement rates, um, yeah. super jump, etc. I actually think that super jump is a little bit less useful for redeployment because um, it's really good at getting down from high places, but it's not necessarily fantastic for getting up. That's true. Um, I mean, um, there are a couple of exceptions where super jump is paired with climbing plus, but yeah, in general, it's hard sure. to get up to things with super jump. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, kind of keeping that in mind in how the, how those kind of work together to add more control to your army. Right. Um, it's really easy, you know, take uh, Akari, for example, speaking of them, um, they generally have really poor, um, deployment flexibility. Right. You know, they, they get, they get a ninja and a cube Jaeger. And I think Bashi, right? Like none of those are, yeah, are something. Too, don't they? But yeah, they, they get Yang Yang too. Um, but none of those things are really, you know, they're light and then they die. You know, a Yang Yang shows up, it tries to light something on, you know, it tries to hit something with a chain rifle and then it usually goes away. Right. Um, so being able to have that flexibility with more effective, powerful units is really kind of important. So, um, Looking at your unit in terms of how it works offensively, defensively, uh, it's you know the way it deploys. There's also kind of the the X factor, right? Like the the additional utility that something offers, right? Um, in addition to the things that are ob- you know obvious, right? Like that. Um, so when you look at you know for your Tomcats since I already have them up here, you know it's easy to get a Tomcat specialist, mm-hmm. right? So you can add on an extra an extra role there. Um, and there are a lot of units that maybe um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Oh, possibly the the Hulang um, can is cool because it's a specialist and um, it has both the ability to fight in range and close combat. Yep. Um, like I said, it's a specialist. It's a heavy infantry, which gives it access to um, a couple of classifieds. Uh, to some of the, to a couple of the classifieds, and it's a veteran troop, which also unlocks a couple of classifieds. Yep. Um, so this one guy can actually do quite a bit. Now he's a specialist operative, not a Ford observer or a paramedic, so he can't or hacker, right? So we can't perform those three roles. Um, but kind of understanding like the maximum amount of getting all the points a unit can provide is pretty critical. Yeah, and and it's it's often good to rephrase things in terms of you know like how uh, people deal with everyday life things. Right. So like if, mm-hmm. for example, right, you look at this Hulang and you could assemble a Hulang out of like three other troopers. Right. You could get sure. like a close mm-hmm. combat specialist. You could get a button pusher and you can get a gunfighter. And together, they may even be about the same cost as a Hulang. Right. Uh huh. Um, and, um, you know, then you can say like, oh, they're they're uh, they're three orders now. So that's better. And but now there's there's a trade off here. They can't all be in the same place at, at the same time. The Hulang can. Yep. Right, so that's 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 the uh, the trade off that you're looking at here, right? And they might they might provide three times the orders to do that, right? Right. But to get them all into the same place at the same time is going to consume three times the orders. Yeah, exactly. So you know, it's 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 just a matter of like looking at what the best deal is. Like when you go into the store, right? Do I buy three tools or do I buy the 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 Leatherman multi tool, right? And maybe the Leatherman isn't hyper optimized for a particular thing, right? But mm-hmm. but um, you know. I'm, I, I wear one on my belt every day when I go to work. I use one every day when I work. I don't carry, you know, a pair of calipers. Uh, well, I, I do. But, sure. You know, I'm weird. <laughs> you, you are weird. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but no, you're right. It's totally valid to be like, just because something can do a lot of things, um, you need to make sure that, that there's not too much overlap with other things that you're taking, um, that, or that those are actually things you need to get done. Um, so kind of a fun example is, uh, because I play military orders, I was really aware of the infirmers of St. Lazarus when they came out. I was like, sweet, another doctor who's whip 13. Um, and for me personally, as I'm, as I'm approaching this, this profile, um, and I'm definitely going to give it some use mostly because I love the model. Um, but this is where we start talking about like, do you really actually need those roles? Right? So the infirmer as it is, uh, as a doctor is a lot more points than a trauma doc. Okay. So yes, it has whip 13 versus whip 12. Um, and I'm going to throw all the anecdotal complaining out the window. It's not a whole, it's not a whole lot better. Right. You know, damn near, damn near everything in Pano has cubes anyways. Um, th- so there's a 5% chance that, that you would use a command token to reroll when you wouldn't have rerolled otherwise. And then a 5% chance after that, that it would have actually made a difference of them dying with the reroll. Like it's fine. It's fine. You know? Um, so we start coming down to like, a, do I need doctors in general? And B is this, is this particular profile really adding a lot more than another profile to, to do the same job? Um, and I love the infirmers of St. Lazarus, but for 11 additional points over a trauma doc, there are 12 additional points with the combi rifle. If you keep the gun the same, right? Like, do I need a trauma doc that is a slightly better shot with BS 13 instead of 12? Um, and better in close combat, but still not a close combat, killer right he's not a, he's, he is good in close combat with cc20 and a monofilament ccw but that is that's still not getting him uh an additional you know any of the mo- additional modifiers to the dice roll he's not hitting cc over 20 he's not burst two um so like for 12 more points so i also need my doctor to mono something maybe yeah um yeah i mean it's it's adding it is adding more capability right like i would not yes. send a trauma doc after attack in a pinch, sure, sure. I might send an infirmer after attack, right? Right. So you are. I mean, this this goes back to like you the. You get something for it. Yeah, you 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 get you get some additional toolkit. Um, and in a perfect world where you have infinite resources, sure, I'll take one for a trauma doc. But yeah, but yeah. this is definitely one of those situations where, um, the the toolkit is not as useful over a wide range of situations as just having the trauma doc. Yeah, and. You know, it kind of you kind of look at the uh, look at these roles. I mean, a lot, it's a lot of times I felt like, um, at least especially in the older versions of ITS where it was whip minus three, unless you were the correct kind of specialist. Right. Um, where I really had a checklist of, okay, I need a doctor or a paramedic. I need an engineer. I need a forward observer. I need a hacker. I need a chain of command so that I can do the objectives. Um, and a lot of times I feel like people kind of get set in their checklists. Like this is the way I'm used to approaching making lists. So I go through my checklist. Um, and I think it's really important to, to question if you need to fill those roles. Um, yeah, I, I know mean, we mentioned, yeah, that's an excellent, excellent point, right? So like, do you take an engineer with no bots and Joel Traveler is on hello, Joel. And he, uh, he does agree that the mono is just an expensive bit of Gucci kit that you probably don't need, <laughs> but the model looks so cool. The model does um, look really cool. And we all know people like Gucci thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But really it's, um, you know, like, uh, take, take doctors for example. Right. Um, I know a lot of people who spend a lot of orders doctoring things or paramedicing things. Um, 
And the question is like, is it worth the orders to do that? And sometimes sure. Right. Like Matt, you know, there are times where it is, but um, a lot of times can you get by without doing it? You know, there, there are plenty of players um, that do really well that rarely, if ever bother repairing anything. Mm -hmm. Um, You'd rather spend those orders going to go punch in the face. If it takes me three orders and a command token to bring something back, like was that three orders and a command token better spent bringing back one order for me on a future turn if he doesn't then go down or was it better spent me shoving an hmg down your throat and you know murdering a bunch of your mans right i mean but this this goes on to um to redundancy which we'll talk about later and also play style right so it yeah. all, like play style i'm sort of lumping in uh what your preferred order count is in your list right so ignoring mm-hmm. like list restrictions like in a tournament where it's tactical window or limited insertion if you're playing a 20 order list then taking a doctor is fine you can throw away a few orders getting the doctor there picking up your guy and continuing on with your day. But if you're playing a limited insertion list, you really can't, right? Yeah. And yeah. Some, so you might argue that you have to, so you have to expend the resources to set up for that. But you always have to think about like, you know, is there a role for this within my list and in, in the context that I'm playing, right? So mm-hmm. uh, am I expecting to use this or is this a nice to have? Is this part of my plan, right? Like, why am I taking this kit? It's like packing for a camping trip. Like, why is this in my heavy rucksack? I don't want to take this yep. if I don't need it. No, that's a that's a great analogy. Like, when you think about backpacking and, like, you want to take everything as, you know, you want to get as much as you can and be as light as possible. Yeah. Um, so, no, that is that is a a spot-on analogy. Um, and so while you're, while you're doing this, you also have to think about not just what support can a unit provide, but also what support does a unit require. Right. Right, and I think that you had some good points on this with Dr. Worm versus Briscard. Yeah, so um, basically, like, Dr. Worm is an excellent value piece, right? It's a doctor and an engineer. It can take slave drones or slav drones if you're friends with Hobie. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it can solve a lot of uh, classifieds. It's got decharges, right? Um, there's even a journalist version now, so we can do some of those new fangled ITS things. Um, so it does, it does do a lot of stuff, but I am not going to send... Dr. Worm out on its own on my active turn to go gunfight his way <laughs> to an objective. Like that's not happening. I'm not going to do that. No, unless, unless you're fighting, unless, you know, you're fighting me and you crit every time you roll anything with Dr. Worm, in which case, fine. That's do true. It, right. So, but I, I feel like that's, that's not a realistic expectation for Dr. Worm in, in the general sense. Um, right. But, right. Um, this like in contrast, let's look at the briskard. The briskard does basically like all of the objectives, right? So I mean, obviously we're talking about the forward observer or the paramedic here, but it does all the forward observing things. It does all the things required MSV, medium infantry. I think it's like a veteran troop or something like that, right? It is a veteran troop. Yeah. So it does like all the classifieds, which will be relevant later. Um, and it's an excellent gunfighter because it has a marksman rifle. Most things do not work in the 24-inch range band. Most things are either rifle-armed or um, HMG or sniper rifle-armed, and you can play the range bands and find where you have a plus three and they don't, right? So the, well, marksman, only... yeah, the marksman rifle like... is one of the few weapons that lets you do that consistently. So not only are you working, though, within that 8 to 24-inch range band, that 0 to 8 range band, you've got an assault pistol. Yes, you do have an assault pistol in the 0 to 8 range band, which is rarely used... But when you get to use it, it feels real good. <laughs> um, and, you know, like this is just, it's its its very affordable, right? It's in a similar price bracket to, to Dr. Worm. It does a bunch of other stuff, like in addition mm-hmm. to what Dr. Worm does. And I don't need to spend any more <clears throat> any more orders on anything else, right? I could run the Briscard right. out, do his thing, run him back to safety and call it good. Dr. Worm, I have to activate something else and, 
and um and you know like let's say i, I need to activate uh like she skin or something and blow away something that's watching dr worm's approach path right like that's trivial yep. she'll do it for you no problem that's what she's for right but you still have to think about how that affects the rest of your turn right and that means now you're thinking about yep. two moving pieces instead of just one and you can say like okay well, i can juggle two balls fine but now try juggling like five right because infinity will is a game that i will ask you to do that so you have to That's pay a it, lot of balls yeah you have to pay attention i mean you would know but you have to pay attention to <laughs> um you know all these different things that are happening at the same time how like having uh, enough orders to put them back into a position of safety after you've used them right like are you developing mm-hmm. your board right um, is this the most efficient way to do it and having a unit that lets you just do it all in one and not have to worry about anything else and what if they're out of position what if they're dead right Sure, sure. So this this lets you um, do everything, you know, with one unit. So it's more flexible and doesn't require support, you know, all that good stuff. Right. Joel brings up another fantastic unit in a similar category, which is the Caliban Engineer. Right. Right. So we're talking for deployment level two. So has that deployment flexibility we're talking about. Right. Camouflage um, is a monster in CC with CC23, Protheon. Stack that with surprise attack and you're really making somebody sad. Um, a submachine gun, Pulsar, decharges Engineer. Um, they're not covering the veteran trained troops for MSV or medium infantry ones. So there are still some classifieds they're not hitting. Um, but it is a troop that requires very little in the way of support. Yeah. I mean, I know, think, it, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a great point because it's in the, it's in the same faction. So it's a much better comparison. Yep. Um, and you know, obviously if you need to doctor something, the Caliban engineer isn't going to do the trick, but that Caliban engineer can, uh, repair things. Like right. Yeah, exactly. Skiavoros or uh, you know a Sphinx in the midfield. Right. Wouldn't that be fun to bring back? Like yeah. <laughs> like these are all things that you can you can think about when you are covering these roles and the amount of support that they individually require. Um, you know, a lot of times people think the cheaper specialist is the way to go, but if that cheaper specialist is going to consume more orders to get to the position to do its you know, to perform its task and consume more orders of the rest of your army to support that mm-hmm. model getting there. You know, again, going back to the Pano example, um, or actually just stick with combined, right? Like if you have to get a doctor, if you have to get Dr. Worms, even his little buddy over to your Sphinx to engineer, but first you have to clear the, uh, uh clear the, uh, way from enemy arrows, killing his little pal bot. Like you're spending first orders on that, and then you're spending orders moving the palbot to do it. Yep, exactly. Um, and a lot of times I've seen, you know, I've done it, and and plenty of people do it, where they just sacrifice the palbot. Yeah. And really hope you make that roll. Yep. You know. Yep. <laughs> um, we all know palbots are are dangerous because they can dodge and gauge. Yes. Yes, they can. <laughs> so good. So yeah, I, I think I think that's an excellent point. And you know, other things like uh, like the Caliban can actually get there really easily because it just has camo state, right? So it can just walk in and it can hide behind the Sphinx too. Yep. All kinds of um, useful so stuff. So when we talk about these units, they have these really broad range of capabilities. You also have units that are incredibly focused, yep. right? So uh, a really easy example of that is the uh, Kamau multi or Kamau HMG. Yep. Um, it does one thing. It shoots stuff. It's really good at it. Yeah, it's. It's darn good at it, you know. Or same thing with the uh, you could you could say the same thing with the multi sniper, right? Like yeah. maybe it has more flexibility because it's a it's a solid ARO piece and also pretty solid in the active turn. Um, but it just does that thing, you know. And we compare that again with the uh, go back to the brisk Fort observer, which can do so much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it it doesn't gunfight as well, but this goes back to the idea of like win more, right? 
Like, I don't need to make you fail three arm rolls. I need to make you fail one. Yeah, and that's all exactly. I need. Right? So if, if, if I can stack the dice in my favor by denying you camo, right, or giving you mimetism in the case of the Kamau, that's great. But all I need you to do is fail one arm roll. And burst three will do that most of the time. Right, but man, like... Highly optimized is really fun, John. It is really like, fun. <laughs> it's it's really fun to take something like a Hoktow HMG yep. or a a Yon Ho Hyper Rapid Magnetic Cannon. Like those troops are just really fun to pelt people with. Um, so I guess the the important thing though is to think about like when you are making an army, don't deny yourself the fun units. You yeah. know these highly optimized units are fantastic when an optimized solution is required to solve the problem. Um, right. So think about, you, yeah, you have to look at it in context. Like how many are you taking? Are you taking all optimized units or are you taking a lot of, well, like, you know, jack of all trades, well-rounded guys and one or two optimized. Right. And I think that that, that latter approach, um, at least I think for you and I is, yeah. is the way to go. You know, like you think about, um, I remember I played a game against James where he was using, uh, he was using invincible army and I was using uh Dashot, Right. And I took a Magariva Guard, which is, without a doubt, a highly optimized multi-HMG platform, right? It's tough, it's shooty, um, and it doesn't really do a whole lot else. And he took triple to, or triple total reaction bots. Super obnoxious. Um, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> James and Dan, you're the worst, sorry. Yeah. Um, but being able to camp my, my Magariva Guard, like, I needed a specialized solution to this problem. I didn't have MSV... Um, MSV yeah, two and smoke in that list. Right. Um, I wasn't taking the Rushi. You know, I, I I wasn't I didn't bring that trick. So I needed some other, like I needed the thing that was better at shooting than his bots. Um, and that was an Armor eleven BS fourteen multi HMG. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and like I put it in cover, and it did take a lot of orders um, because we're rolling four dice against four dice. Um, but eventually, like take them out, shoot them down. Like the the tag wins that fight. Yep. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's what they're um, for, right? You asked it to do the thing it was designed for and it did it. Yeah, exactly. But if, you know, in a position where I need the more specialized or a more flexible option, like, I guess I could dismount and have my little paramedic run over and push a button. Please don't, you know, pop out of TO with something and kill her. You know? Yeah. Um, but I think uh, it's really important when you are, yeah, so when you are approaching these lists to take both, they both absolutely have, um, a spot in the, in your army and in the game. Yeah, it's a holistic thing, right? And I mean, it it is it is a um, it is a bit different when we when we get out of our comfort zone and start playing some sectorals, right? Uh, link sure. teams do change the math a little bit because you can get like your link team is like building the um, the perfect unit. Like yeah. Going back yep. to the Hulang example we used earlier, you can you can assemble a Hulang out of three a, a three member link, and that will that will sure. be functional and then you don't have to pay the price of dragging three bodies around uh, with three mm-hmm. times as many orders. You get to do it in the same amount of orders. So they're, they're, they do change the math a little bit. Um, but it does, it does concentrate um, your threat projection in one area, though, generally. True, true. Um, yeah, no, that's absolutely a valid point. Like, it doesn't just change the math on, um, on that, but also, like, it fundamentally changes the capabilities of some units. You know, like a... Um, Again, analyzing you as a Kaisotsu missile launcher, you know, like right. it's a BS-10 first one gun, right? Like who, nobody is is th- threatened by it, um, but you throw a couple of those in a five-man link, suddenly you've got a burst two BS-13 missile launcher. And that's a totally different thing. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's 
that that turns this Kaisotsu's defensive capabilities to nearly a Yanho. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's 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 that big of a difference. Right. Like a link teams link teams absolutely changed. Um and it probably cost about the same too. <laughs> oh, I think it I think it's pretty close. Yeah. I think it's Yanho's what, like fifty four ish? Something like that, yeah. I'll look it up. Uh, if you want to so, pull up the uh I, I do because now I'm curious. Like yeah. I'll look up the Yanho. Gonna, okay. <laughs> obviously it's gonna be more um survivable. SWC. It will Okay, so it's fifty five points and three swig. Yeah, so, the... so Yanho is uh if you get the Neurocinetics one, it's two so there you go. You're paying one less point and one more swick for the yeah. double Kaisoku missile launcher and, team. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's... Seems fine. Yeah. Pretty fair. Yonho's BS 13 or 14. Okay. So the Yonho does get the extra point at Lutzik's skill and doesn't have five wounds. Um, but that's but that's where you... Like, that Kaisoku missile launcher is a lot less intimidating on the table, John. Like, that is not a scary looking model and I see it down there. But when you kind of... When you step back and you're like, well, that's, yeah. that's my Yonho. Like... Yep. There she is. Yep. <laughs> She's ready for you. I mean, I prefer Tonkos, but <laughs> well, that's a very different that's prospect. A, that's a whole yeah. other awful yeah. mess to get into. Okay, so now that we've kind of taken a look at what we think about when we're analyzing unit, how do we start the process of beginning to build right. a list? So uh, I think we should probably discuss it in the context of building for like a tournament. So um, basically, the first mm-hmm. question you need to ask is, what is the context that I'm going to be using this list in? So the easiest first thing to do is, like, what, what missions are we playing, right? So if I need a bunch of specialists, like if we're playing highly classified, or if we're playing all killy missions, right, that dramatically changes the list composition. So that, that seems like, you know, like it should go without saying, but oftentimes when, you know, we see lists posted online, it's just like, is this list good? And the follow-up question is, well, for right. what? Right, you have to you have to ask that question. Yeah, like there's, yeah, that that is this good is is never the last yeah. question. And then the next thing is like, um, do you do you need any specialized equipment? Right. So are you playing um, for those of you who played older ITS uh, missions like the grid? Do you need stuff for the grid where you need to destroy a bunch of antennas, oh, man. Or anti-material equipment? Are you playing looting and sabotage where you have to go up and physically like beat a piece of metal into into, into scrap? Right. Like, do you need anything like that? Because if you don't have those tools, you will not be able to win the mission, basically. So you need to take the right tools um, to be able to complete the mission. Um, and then, of course, there's the, there's the I like to call the hipster factor. Uh, are there any fun things you want to include in the list? Um, <laughs> any anything you're testing out? And for some people, you know, they they have they have no interest in doing this at all. They want to just pick the thing that will get them to the finish line and hopefully uh, first, right? Um, but it's, 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 you know, like mm-hmm. we said last episode, it's, um, you know, everybody plays a different, different game and that's okay. You play it how you want to do it. Um, but you absolutely have to plan for the mission and take the right stuff for, to, to do the mission. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. Like you can take all the really cool things you want and then forget all the tools mm-hmm. you need to actually win the game. <laughs> that will, that is, uh, that is yeah. definitely I mean, full disclosure, that's how times. all of our lists start. Right, we're like, oh, this is cool. This is sweet. I want this thing. Yeah, I do want double missile launchers. Then you're like, wait, right. I don't have anything that can push buttons. And oh crap! You delete the whole thing. You start over. I spent all my swick on burst two missile launchers. Now I have nothing greater than burst yep. three in the rest of my army. Not that anybody ever's done that. Yeah, certainly nobody named John. Um, 
But I mean, tables tables do influence a lot of this decision making too, right? Going back to missile launchers, if there's not a lot of open sure. fire lanes, if there's not a lot of stuff that exists, you know, over 24 inches, missile launchers probably aren't the thing that you should take. Um, yeah. Right. It's actually, I think it's really important to emphasize tables. Um, this is something that I think does not get enough credit when you when you yeah. see discussions on the internet, um, or even discussions in in person, like just talking about the game in general. Like the table is the third player. And the way that the tables are in your area are going to be different than the tables the way are the way that they are in our area, um, and that's doubly for the Pacific yeah. Northwest, right? <laughs> um, and you know, if your local meta uses nothing but but boxes, right, or nothing but um, even like Muse on Minis, the yeah. the train that you've got, um, where everything's rigid and square, and there's not a lot of saturation zones and things like that, like you're gonna start really ignoring those multi-spectral visors and the the train rules. Um, and like, so it kind of makes it so you can't get an honest or an accurate response online without understanding yeah. the additional layer of context. Uh, one, uh, one thing that I, I, I do want to express is that for those of you who are unfamiliar with Infinity, because some of you might not be um, welcome if you're one of those people, uh, but most tournaments are, you know, like three to five missions and you're required to solve all of these missions with two lists. So um, there's generally two schools of thought. The first is I'm going to divide the missions into two groups and, and design a list for each group. Some people will design two, um, two lists to satisfy different tables. So if you're going to an unfamiliar environment, like, so when mm -hmm. I went to Adepticon um, a couple of years ago, I, you know, I sort of thought about like, okay, well, I'm going to take two different lists to solve, to solve two different tables, and both of my lists can do all the missions, right? And so, like, I had a list that was like for longer range tables, a list for shorter range tables, um, and that's how I chose to to mentally separate the two lists. So it it, it is a real consideration to huh. the point where you know, like, at high levels of play, not that you know I'm particularly high level, but I've heard other people talk about it, um, in in like on other podcasts and stuff. Like, yeah, I, I tend to to separate my list construction by table type. That's actually pretty interesting. Like thinking about um, you've got local events. Right, say something happening over at Glimpses. Right, we're using the stores, we're using the stores terrain. We know what the store has. We play on the stores tables. Right, we know it all. Or even going to, um, even going to uh, maybe yeah. something up in Seattle. Right, we roughly know what we're going to expect there. Yeah, we're friends with all uh, these guys. We've seen their tables go on a, Facebook. We know what to expect. Yeah. We've played on the tables before. But when you go to a larger magnet event, um, say the Las Vegas Open mm -hmm. or Adepticon. Right, like we go to these events where people are traveling and they're bringing tables right. with them, right? Like suddenly you have this blend of tables from different environments, and you might think that everybody plays tables nope. the way you play tables because what other ways are to play tables? And like that is that is yeah. categorically false. Um, and if you don't if you don't believe that, I implore you to go look at the tables from the Rose City Raid last year, um, and throw everything you knew about making tables out the window. Like <laughs> there are. There are so many different ways to play with the terrain, and it's so important. So having this level of understanding when you are building your list yeah. is key. Um, and if you don't know, you might want to lean towards the idea of making your list for different tables as opposed to making them uh, yeah, for Yeah, the and there's, there's a third factor too, which is uh, who do I expect to show up at this tournament and what do I expect them to bring, right? So like... Yeah. Sure, sure. That's a, Do I have an, an answer one. to a proxy Mark II sniper out of, out of Aleph? If I don't, I'm probably fucked, right? If I have that matchup, mm -hmm. it's going to be bad. Yeah. How am I going to handle an Achilles push? How am I going to handle, you know, mutt spam, 
right? Like, uh, or even like the really boring common things in the meta, right? Like a yeah, sniper yeah. tower. Like it's, you, you know, like you might not face it, but there is going yep. to be one at your tournament. Like it's it's there. It's going to be present. Uh, like you said with the proxy mark two, or um, you know, a link of Dakini, right? Like this is something that I'm going to face. There's going to be a Dakini link. There's going to be a Kamau link. There's going right. to be something. You know, there are these common elements. Yeah. Um, there's 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 this moment where you look at your list and you're like, this is undefeatable, right? Like, I have all my favorite toys in here. I know exactly how to use them all. This is super OP. It's got, like, crazy modifiers, and I can do all this mod stacking and, you know, all this stuff and, like, make you at an extreme disadvantage. Keep in mind the guy on the other side of the table is doing the exact same. So, so you know, yep. there's yep. there's a lot of that. You also need to watch out for um, unexpected meta stuff that may shift, right? So um, are you playing at a local tournament where you know everybody and their play style and what to expect out of them? You're like, oh, I'm playing... Um, um, I'm playing uh, uh, Jordan's US Ariadna. I know he's going to have two infiltrating grunts. So I need to p- deploy appropriate, right? Um, whereas you know, yep, like, yep. It, it, it matters, right? So like, I uh, whenever I see uh, US Ariadna on the other side of the table, I'm heavily influenced by you and by Jordan because those are the two US Ariadna players I see all the time. <laughs> so I always expect an infiltrating grunt. So yeah. when I don't see one, I'm thrown for a loop. I'm just like, what? What is this? What is this magical world I live in? Right? <laughs> I can deploy where I want. I, I should have deployed right. where I wanted. I don't. You know, I, I I wanted to bunch all these guys up. So you know, like it's it's you need to think about all these sorts of things. Um, and it's it's generally good when you in that situation, like I'm just referred to, right? Like a thing that's so oppressive normally is gone. It feels really good. But also, if that thing shows up and you've never uh-huh. seen it before, that's real bad. I've. I have definitely gave somebody a serious case of the feel bads when I oh brought the God. avatar to a tournament and you know I, I move I move them yeah. up and I'm like cool I'm yeah, gonna on all sepsitor. these guys and it's like well what is pro what yeah or sepster sorry yeah I'm gonna sepster all these guys well yeah. what does sepster do that's a real bad question it's like this is gonna be this is gonna be a b- yep. bad yep. time to learn yeah I mean like and and um, it happens to to um. I think that guy was pretty new. I think you guys had a conversation after the game and he was a pretty new player, but like, you know, I'm not a new yeah. player and this happens to me too, right? I don't see that much combined here because you're constantly army hopping and you're basically our only regular combined player in the area. What are you talking about? Uh, and then I went and faced the number uh-huh. one combined player in the world, right? At a, at a tournament. And he oh, told yeah. me and he gave me a, yep. a, 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 a courtesy list that said that his anathematic had a substitute on it. And I read it. I, I played your anathematic. I know it has a sepsitor, and I forgot. And then I had to, to kill my Shikami Ooh. with Kitsune. And thankfully, the dice went my way. But that was a real rough turn, right? So, so you just like you have to like. Yeah. I think the biggest yeah. piece of advice. This is kind of going outside of the subject of the episode. Is uh, stop and take a breath in a tournament, right? And just let yourself. Mm-hmm. Have the moment mm-hmm. of panic and let the whatever is happening, right? You're like, oh God, there's a giant machine robot thing that's in my face. You're like, stop. What can this thing actually do? Reduce it to its component parts and then problem solve. Sure, sure. Um, no, that, make, that makes a ton of sense. Um, so when you think about, you know, we're going from, okay, so we kind of know the meta we're going into, right? Or we don't know, right? Uh, it's kind of, one way or the other, right? Like talking yeah. about the small event or the and, big event. Um, you can start thinking about, you can start planning in advance before you even get to the table while you are building your list. Um, how are you going to interface right. with the board itself, right? So a, a quick thought is like, what am I going to do to exert pressure yep. on my opponent? Um, uh, 
A great example and is your one of your favorite factions, U.S. Ariadna, right? Like, yeah, everything in there yeah. is uh, it can show up anywhere on the table, right? So you have um, like people poo poo on on the foxtrot. Was it BS11 armed with a rifle? They're just like, uh, yeah, whatever. I've lost so many things to your stupid foxtrots, yep. right? Because they're where they need oh, to yeah. be. They're in the right range band, and they have you out of cover because they moved there. Because it only took them in order to do it, right? So, um, yep. you know, everything in U.S. Ariana is a threat. It exerts, like, you know, you, you, you think, think about stuff not just in terms of range bands, but also movement, right? A rifle has a 20-inch range, like, range band, not a 16, right? Because you can move four inches first. Sure, yeah. when you factor in the four. So, you know. Yeah, no, that's that's really true. And, all you know, like, still speaking about U.S. Ariana, it's not just the right. Foxtrots you have to worry about, Right. You've got the Foxtrots, you have the infiltrating guns, you have the or grunts, you have the airborne rangers, yeah. you have Van Zant, right? Who is I mean, let's face it, he's nearly ever present. Yeah, you should definitely US face him list, literally, point right? at the back table edge. Yeah. Yeah, if, exactly. If you if you don't think he's coming, he, that's right. the game where he's gonna come. Uh, you know, I made this I made this t shirt uh to remind people of the possibility of Van Zant. Um which I enjoy wearing, especially when I'm not using Van Zant. I mean, maybe it's kind of, I don't know if it's a dirty tactic, but it's a hilarious tactic at the very least. I, I, um, I will be honest. I wore it to um, uh, a, a tournament where I was playing Vanilla Ariadna. It worked. <laughs> it, and, did. And did <laughs> it did. People really? definitely left stuff facing, <laughs> facing backwards. Well, but like, you know, it's one of the, that's one of those situations where, like, if he can exist, you need to honor you it. Need you to, need to honor you, it. Yeah, you need to pay attention sure. to the possibility. Yeah. Um, so it's not entirely disingenuous, but you not only have these troops, we also have like the Mavericks, yeah. which can rapidly redeploy really well. And man, when if those Mavericks catch you uh, flat-footed with a light rocket launcher with MSV one and BS twelve, yeah, yeah, they will kill you. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> so you Infinity is a game of positioning within time. Right, so if you've ever like, if you're a military nerd, you've seen all those like, group uh, uh, maps with like phase lines and arrows and things, right? You have to think about the the board like that. It's not a static position where you're looking at it. You're like, oh, that's there's a sniper there. That sniper's never gonna move, right? There's a desperado there. It's never gonna move. No, that desperado is gonna be in your face in like two orders. And you need to look at what its approach paths are. How is right. it going to get there? What do you have to contest those approach paths? Are you going to like just give them up and say, like, fine, you can roll through there, no problem. But the moment you peek around this corner, I'm going to shoot you, right? So you need to think about like um, what's how stuff develops in time, how you're going to develop your stuff in time as well, right, over the course of multiple turns. Um, mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. it's important to pay attention to, to the dynamic board, you know, state not just what it looks like right now which is which is tough because that's all you see right is you just see there's a there's a model on that roof it's not going anywhere it can go a lot of places right so what can you what are some things that you can do to kind of um or equipment you can use to kind of expand your right. presence so on this anything table? that um you know has has uh, stuff that operates out of line of fire um repeaters right work really well for that you expect setting your hacking area mm-hmm. uh, of course laying mines are great right so yeah let's like let's leave uh an explosive out that ex- blows up in your face when you walk by it that sounds great i want to do that thing um of course any deployables like crazy koalas mad traps um symbio bugs right i've never seen one on the table but they exist um and but i mean like but it's, it's not just <laughs> stuff that um that has an active role on the table, right? So uh, 
repeaters are kind of like straddling this like active versus passive gap, uh-huh. I guess, right? So you can actively hack through it. You can hack through it reactively. Uh, it also exerts passive pressure. Like heavy infantry and tags will just avoid it. They're like, I don't need to be there. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to give you a roll on me, even though I could probably reset out of it, right? So they're just sort of like a gentle don't go here, right? There's also there's the things like people probably don't consider, like uh, like the Canren out of uh, Imperial Service. He's got a uh, he's got mine layer and he's got sniffers, right? And you're like, yeah, who cares about that? It doesn't matter. Well, now I have a sniffer in the midfield, and that means you can't recamo in mm-hmm. this eight inch bubble, right? So, so oh, like true. your 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 plan to 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 uh, run across this gap, recamo after you get to the other side of the gap is no longer valid because there's a sniffer there. So you can think about denying people mm-hmm, lanes mm-hmm. of forward advance by placing a sniffer out. And he's got a shotgun, so what's not to like? No, that's definitely a thing. Uh, I I think it's it's funny how sniffer like so many things in, in Infinity. Um, kind of provide face-to-face roles, like attempts to stop somebody from succeeding, um, where Sniffer yep. flat out denies it, right? Like, there's no chance for you to try to camouflage. It is just, no, you, yep. you don't get to do it. Um, and so I think that's interesting because it's they're they're seldom used. Um, and I remember at one point in time, I used to use them a lot, right? Like, I'd, I'd move up, especially if I'm facing, like, yeah. JSA. Yep. I'd, like, poop out a bunch yep. of Sniffers and then sensor sweep. Right, and then in hope that I got rid of all the Kitsunis and only Wabans and, and all the other yeah. awful nasty things hanging out. Yeah, um, you don't really you don't really see that as much anymore. And I wonder if the you know it'll be. I'm curious to see what role they have in. Yeah, I'm, uh, in I'm really excited to see. That. Um, I hope they stick around. Um, uh, I'm really excited about using using and abusing them more often, but we'll see what happens. And um, but I mean it's it's not just uh. To, to to add to this point of you know it's it, there are things that don't require uh, dice rolls to have an effect. Sniffer is a great example, uh, and just being on the table is a great example as well, right? So like mm-hmm. if there's a giant honking tag on the table in the corner, you're not going to go over there unless you're prepared to deal with it, right? And you know it's just you're just exploiting psychology. Then you're like here's a huge threat. The your opponent is going to have to look at it. This is what I mean by exerting pressure on your opponent, right? Like they know that it's there, they can't unsee it. It's the biggest thing on the table. They they, they it occupies some other mental sure. headspace, regardless of how experienced they are, and that's gonna maybe cause them to trip up. And it's doing its job just by sitting there. Yeah, no, you didn't have to do anything. It you don't have to shoot anything. Doesn't have to be out to ARO. You don't have to spend any orders on it. It's just there, and it's a problem. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So we start thinking about the different ways that we can cover the table. Then we actually just get down to, to basically like your your setup right. how are you going to set up your army what deployment skills do you plan on using um you know i've I've seen a lot of people like want to do like fun lists that have a ton of bikes <laughs> and a ton of yeah you know bikes and baggage bots this that and the other and suddenly you've got like 12 models on the big mm-hmm. 55 millimeter bases to try to set up somewhere yep. in your deployment zone and it's not happening right so kind of understanding the um the capability that your army has to deploy in the area given is pretty clutch. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the last thing you want is some models ass hanging out. And like, I've definitely had plenty of times where I've ended up having to deploy models that were yep. in the open, you know, like prone and in the open. So I'm out of line of fire of everything right now, but I've got to move his ass before, uh, before the yeah, opponent. Like a, shooting a really simple thing to do. Um, right. Like it, you, everybody's busy. Right. Um, like in in like let's yeah. assume that we're out of these COVID times, you can actually go places to play games, right? But uh, everybody's busy; they got stuff to do. They may not have time to get a practice game in before a tournament, but they do have time to pack their models, 
right? Because you got to do that. So mm-hmm. in the 15 to 20 minutes that you're pulling all your models out of whatever, you know, container thing they're in, set up a small deployment zone. It doesn't have to be anything fancy, just like some tissue paper boxes and some books and deploy, right? Like look at what your mm-hmm. list looks like on the table, figure out how you're going to get stuff out of your deployment zone, right? Like, oh my God, there's like, there's like oh, six bikes in my list that takes up a huge amount of area that I did not physically see because all I'm looking at is a line in effectively a spreadsheet, right? It's really hard to visualize that. But now I've got right. everything on the table in front of me and I can see like, holy crap, like there's no realistic way I can hide this stuff without getting it missile templated, chain rifled, shot in the butt, right? Like whatever. <laughs> so Sure. And that's kind of one of the one of the issues, I guess, with yeah. link teams in general, right? Is that you've yeah. you've got to deploy oh, them. God, that is the it. hardest thing. I hate it so and much. It's, it's I mean, you and you and I both I think are kind of have been leaning yeah. more towards the three man link teams um lately. And I, I think it is honestly large in part to like the ability of moving their ass around the table, setting them up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So once you kind of think about how you're going to set up the table, though, or how you're going to deploy your army, and is right. it even feasible? So, so to for, for those of you wondering, for those of you wondering what Adam and I are talking about, the three man versus the five man link team, right? The next time you deploy a five man link, stop after you've deployed the third member, right? And then note what your mental, like internal dialogue is doing when you deploy the fourth and fifth member. I can almost guarantee that you're going to be like, I don't fucking know. I guess you just go there, right? That's the thing that's going to be in your head, right? However, however you say that, you know, your life or whatever, that's going to be what's going through your head. You'd be like, I don't, I guess fine. Yeah. Three of these, three of these guys are prone behind this wall. I I guess guess this is fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's no, it's, it's way less stressful deploying those three man units. Um, so once you actually, that's a really good point. Like when you think about like having a plan for deployment, right? Like having practiced it out, um, I, you know, now you have to actually start thinking about yes. the game you're going to play, right? Like what, what is your, what is your plan to win the game? Um, and that is, that is critical. A lot of people like forget <laughs> yeah. this. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, they go, okay, I, I take the, I take the specialists. So I win right. the scenario. Like, you, right. You, yeah. But so they don't like, think about what that looks it's like. It's like chess, right? Like, like you learn the thing you learn in chess after you learn the basic rules is the opening, right? Like you're like, how do I mm-hmm. set up my pieces to support each other through the mid game? Like if you if you watch professional chess matches, like they could be playing the first 10, 15 moves blindfolded. They're just like, oh, you did this opening, I respond with this opening. Done. Now we stop and go into the tank and thing. Yeah. Right. Like your deployment and your 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 movements after deployment should be that. No, that is totally. That, that that makes a ton of sense, right? Like you shouldn't. Very few people are going to throw something at you at the at the very beginning of the game that right. you can't plan for. Like those would be a ARO right? sniper. So you have to plan mods, like there'll be a missile launcher, something like that. Yeah, exactly. So you can kind of you can almost in a way break it down into into categories, much like you would in chess, right? Where you you are responding to the type of opening that they are giving you, right? So you know if you're going against US Ariadna and you can exp- or um, even against or a vanilla. Ariadna, anybody who's going to have something with superior infiltration, um, JSA, things like that, like uh, Shas Basti with you know, anybody with impersonation, you're like, cool. So how do I deploy? You know, I know I'm going against Hawk Islam. I know I'm going against uh, Hassan Baram, right? How do I deploy with that opening? Right? With just that little bit of knowledge of how do I counteract the fact that there are going to be impersonators right. in my deployment zone? Um, okay, so like, you know, practice that train of thought, and then what's your plan yeah. to succeed with that? And then like, you know, then the, the second option is going to be the null deploy, 
right? How am I going to handle the person who null deployed me? What is my way to win this mission if my opponent is denying me the right. things so, to So null deployment, kill? for uh, those of you who don't know, what we mean by that is you don't leave anything out, right? So you either you either like literally don't leave anything out, you hide everything prone in cover or whatever, or you leave stuff out only after the opponent has crossed the center line. Right. So you set up an angle that only sees, yeah. you know, stuff that's close to you. Yeah. And they might only see the, you know, they might only see the objectives right. from a specific angle you need to plan for. Um, so it's like you can't rely on your, uh, again, on your big, powerful active turn, you know, my, my fully linked BS, whatever, you know, HMG, the, right. my Kreeza Borak, right, is going to win me this game. It's like, well, unless they give you nothing to shoot, what's your plan for that? How are you going to deal with these close range firefights? You're right. going to need to get the objective. Um, and then a similar situation like camo spam, right? Like you need to have a plan for that. Like not just how are you going to, how you plan on doing the mission, but how you plan on encountering those armies. And really it's, it's these, again, you can, like I said, you can kind of categorize it into these few um, broad ideas and adapt your, you know, adapt your play style, obviously as your opponent, as you play the game. Um, but you need to understand like, cool. So I'm going against this. I'm going first. What is my plan to win? If you don't have a plan and your yeah, opponent does, you always have a plan, win, right? Like you're, you should have a plan and a list of priorities because you're going to get into a problem later. You, especially when you're facing something like U.S. Ariadne, and you know everything is a threat, and you go into you go into complete mental lockdown. You're just like I, every everything is a problem, which is the most important one. And it's only through like long, repetitive. Adam punching my face in sessions that I was able to identify. Like, I kill that <laughs> thing first, and I kill that thing. That's safe to ignore until turn two, right? Like, you need to have the experience and play that. And a lot of it is matchup dependent. Um, you know, like I was playing um, yep. Tony up from Seattle, right? Uh, and and I was like, I started, I I rolled the dice to, you know, I won the lieutenant roll, and I started talking. I was like, I guess I'll take deployment because there was a table side that I liked better. And then I said, wait, no, what are you playing? And then he said Caledonia. And then I said, well, yeah. I'm going first then <laughs> because giving Caledonia first right. turn is a fool's errand. You will die. <laughs> but, like, uh, you know, on the flip side, there's a chance he could have won Yeah, exactly, that. yeah. Right? So you yeah. need to have a plan for that. You need to you need to have at least the beginning of a plan. If it's not something that's, like, totally ironed out, right? Like, if this isn't the, the world championships that you're practicing – you know, 50 games for and trying every right. permutation possible. Like you at least need to have the beginning of an understanding of how will I handle these, these common, uh, these common approaches, you know, cause like Caledonia is one thing, but Caledonia actually has a lot of overlap uh, in some ways with Shazvasti. If somebody's mm-hmm. running a bunch of tiger creatures, right. Or um, similarly with combined with Morats, right. Like you could be running going against somebody with a bunch of smoke and a bunch of Pretas. And if you don't know what right. you're doing when that happens, yeah. It's and sometimes gonna you're going to have bad matchups. Like um, um, I had uh, the game where I played the tournament where I played Ruben Humboldt, um, I guess 2019. Um, there were five missions. I went in with a plan yeah. for four out of the five, right? I literally planned really hard for those sure. four missions. And I was like, okay, cool. Biotech four, I don't have really planned for. I hope I don't draw Ruben as my opponent. I'll just muddle through that one. And I drew Ruben, and I basically was tabled <laughs> by the end of it. Yep. <laughs> right? I, yeah. I mean, that, with, with Ruben, yeah, that that happened, yeah, with yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bad example, <laughs> but you know, like I, I won all my other four games. I felt really confident in what I was doing. I knew what I was doing. Like I played you in that, in that. Like you were playing US Ariadna. I had a really strong like set of pr- priorities. Yep. It was a great was game. I love that game. game. 
Um, but, you know, I was like, okay, he's playing Eurus Arena. I know exactly what I have to do. I have to stop the Double Dog first thing, which is exactly what I did. I sacrificed Kitsune to do that. She's an incredible power piece that I should use for other things. Yeah. I was like, nope, she's worth every point that I spent on her. She has to stop the Double Dog. If that's all she does, I'm good, right? Yeah, yeah turn, turn off. off that Devil do Dog. Other things. <laughs> you, yeah, you make you very sad. So, but you, you can't only just think about like, cool. So I do, you know, I kill their arrow pieces with this guy, right? Like going back, back to the Kreza, my Kreza Borak murders their arrow pieces. This guy goes and pushes the button. Congratulations, right. self high five. I've won the game, right? Like, you also have to think about Plan B, right? Like, you know, you're, if that if that's your Plan A and that's your only right. plan, that's great when it works. But then. You know, suddenly your Kreeza Borax goes over here to go shoot that guy, and then he gets missile launched in the right. face by an octopus. Yeah, exactly. You're like, oh well. Hmm. And then you're like, now what? Yeah, exactly. And that that is something that I also think kind of separates some of the better players. Um, and that is that really the the ability to, okay, well that's fine. The Kreeza Borax is yeah. sacrificial, right? And like to some people that might blow their minds. Like, what do you mean this expensive model that's insanely shooting is sacrificial? Probably. And yeah, right. It's my lieutenant. And it probably is sacrificial. Like that isn't the guy who's gonna win you the mission most times. Like, you know, in, in annihilation, sure, that's gonna suck. That's <laughs> yeah, a lot of points down the train. Yeah, right? don't make him a lieutenant <laughs> but, in annihilation. Don't do that. It, yeah, right. It's yeah. just you'll be sad. Oh God, right? no, or in decapitation, do right? Where it's like cool. So the guy, the guy with yeah. the biggest target on his head is also the guy you want to kill, yeah. and he's also like your data yeah, tracker because yeah. you wanted the extra order. Like, yeah. bad news bears. Um. So you can't really just think about like what is what is the this is the way it's going to win like well when that goes wrong right. because it will then what then what do you do um, and that's actually I think a lot of those uh, utility pieces really play well in that territory you know you think about something um, like the Hulang right which might not have been your first choice for going and capping an objective because they don't have a camo state or whatever but they're a pretty solid plan B he's a good gun. F- fighter he has viz mods it's able to fight in close combat has a direct template weapon with a second wound like he is a solid plan b and really kind of understanding what your plan a and what your plan b is um i think right. it's kind of critical I, I, yeah i i, and I this think, also I plays... think the, the the other mm-hmm. thing is what, what i said earlier right which is take a beat to figure out what what's going on like have hashed out a couple of plan b's or plan c's through f right like before you before you get to the table yeah. but when plan a fails stop and think right because what i've done many times which i think is a mistake and I'm, i've seen it happen many times and other things is like your plan a is your kriza right you're going up against the linked kamau it's dicey at best right mm-hmm. and you fail now what okay well my next the, sure. the next like you know like the problem you're trying to solve is is the is the kamau so most people will be like okay well i'm trying to solve this kamau problem the next tool in my toolbox is this taskmaster it's kind of good at shooting, right? It's got right. good armor and stuff. All right, you you go next, buddy. It dies. All right, well, I guess now I'm down to this zero in the midfield. Uh, hope this works. And then your turn's <laughs> gone, and you're like four models down, right? Sure. Yeah, no, like the yeah. the redundancy is is key. Um, I've built, you know, I think both of us have done this. Um, everyone does it, honestly. Like we, you build a list, and you're like, this is my mm-hmm. gun shooter. Yep. Pew pew, right? It's like, and then he goes down, and you're like, cool. So my next range band is a boarding <laughs> yeah, shotgun. Yeah, right. You're like, I have one HMG and boarding <sighs> shotguns. I'm gonna win this. It's gonna be great. Yeah, and and mm-hmm. and uh, it's hard, you know. Um, 
or similarly, um, you know, a, a, a way to win a lot of missions. And I think this is actually it. It's it's both a fun way and it's it's a very trolly way. But like, if a person has three specialists yep. in their army, kill their specialists, and then what? Right? Like this idea of redundancy is yep. is important. <laughs> you know, you can't you can't rely on your plan A. You need the plan B and C. You know, yeah. plan B through F. And, um, and a lot of it, a lot of it is uh, is, get... is is mission dependent too, right? So um, if the yep. mission really relies on specialists and it's not like an area control mission, right, then absolutely go after the specialist. And if you look at, um, if you listen to yeah. high level players across the world, um, how they prepare for tournaments, they, I mean, their preparation for the tournament might be zero games. They might not even take a model out of the model case. It might literally just be looking at comlog mm-hmm. and being like, what's the way, what's the quickest way to maximize points? And then that's how they build. Hmm? Wait, are you describing... Are you describing high-level players? I'm describing, describing high-level players, <laughs> not us. <laughs> right. So, so you know, this this is this is what I've heard on the internet. The internet is never wrong, right? Um, but, that's true. Uh, that's true. Yeah, I mean, like that. That's sort of uh, what what how they construct their plan A, right? And then and then that falls into the list after that, right? It's like okay, I need to I need to do like my plan A is like okay for um, for uh, unmasking, I should kill their data tracker, right? That's a good plan A. Right. Yeah. And that sets me up for for setting up the largest points points discrepancy between myself and my opponent. Kill their data tracker. Okay. So now when I go to my list, how do I do that? And that informs my list my list decision making. Right. Right. Um. So I'm sorry, I just dropped something. Um. Yeah. So I mean, I might take an assassin piece like no, Rand or a speculo. Right. So yeah. Uh-huh, that's, uh-huh. that's sort of a one one alternate approach. No, you kind of it it kind of makes me think. Um. Exactly the uh, in this is so so nerdy in hero, right? The the mental battle okay. that they have before they right. actually have their fight, right? Yeah. But it's that thing, right? Like you're thinking, you you're trying to plan out yeah. all the possibilities, and really think about it. And and when you are right. at that high level of play, you don't necessarily need to play a game to yes, kind of run yes. through the possibilities. And you're referring your to the the uh, the Jet Li hero movie. Okay, good. Yes. Yeah, makes sense. Yes. Yep. Yep. Of course. Yeah, that's a great so, movie. That's a good yeah. movie. Like the, the, the whole thing happens in their head and then, uh, and then it's over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> so good. It's that's 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 it's like the most yeah, anime right. all, all that's missing is the guy in the corner like ever. pushing up his glasses, right? Well they've the got zither? the guy playing yeah. the playing yeah, the, the zither, whatever yeah. that instrument is. Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah, the zither. Like it's yep. basically that guy. Um Okay. So cool. So I think I think with all this planning aside, the way that I I think both you and I also like to do this sometimes is to throw basically a hundred percent out the window and yeah. use the random list generator. Yep. <laughs> like this, is, I learned so much more from, from playing with random lists than I have from playing my extremely carefully curated, uh, planned out lists. than than I care to admit it. It almost feels shameful. Um, but it makes a lot of sense, right? When you are, when you are making a list, um, you know what you're taking and why. You don't don't have you don't have to make anything work because you took the things that work the way right. you want them to work. Yeah, and I think it just it really does. Such a better I part. mean, I think because um, there's we, I mean, we're talking about this subject right now, right? So I wanted to be clear that uh, the list is I'm oh, sorry the the game is one at the table and not in the army builder, right? That's probably the right statement uh, instead of it's not the list, it's you. Right, um, and yeah. I think the best way to prove that 
is to play random lists. So, so this is a this is a fun story. When I first got started into the game, um, oh right, yeah. the person who was teaching me how to play is is uh, Michael Michael Delarb or Delabry. I can never remember how his last name is said. Um, who is who is Bear Kill on ITS? I had no idea that you know, I had my very own minor internet celebrity uh, in my living room eating sandwiches and teaching me how well, to play. He's got enough major Infinity. victories to be called um, a major internet but, celebrity. Oh, there you go. <laughs> wah, wah. Um, so, <clears throat> anyways, he gets me into this game. He and I used to play Warhammer Fantasy together. Um, and he starts telling me this whole, like, it's not the list, it's you. And I'm like, baloney. You know, I'm coming from my from years and years and years of playing uh, 40K um, and GW games. And I'm like, I, I don't believe you. How about this? I'm a new player, but I have all of the might and wisdom of the internet on my side. So I will play an extremely carefully crafted list against your random army. I will use the the might and wisdom of the internet, knowing full in advance what scenario I'm playing, which faction you are playing, and the fact that I know that you are playing a random list. Right? Like, I have 100% of all the meta information in front of me. And then yeah, you, you actually we will battle used, it out. You actually knew his list beforehand too, right? <clears throat> yeah. 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 And so it's like I had one hundred percent of the knowledge. He had none. You know, he shows up and he's like, What's my army? And it's like, Well, it's this pile of crap. You have a tiger soldier yeah, lieutenant. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you gonna do with this thing? <laughs> which, was, which was in one of the lists. And and the closest I got was within one dice roll of beating him. Right, which was still it, that was I think that was an impressive feat to even get that close, but that was the army where he literally had a tiger soldier lieutenant. That's he's how well optimized this player was. Either. Right, and I had <clears throat> he's not, um, and it was it was hard. Like none of these games were like he beat me two or he beat me three out of three times. Right, and that was when I was thoroughly convinced. Okay, maybe, maybe there's something you know, to maybe this, yeah. maybe there's something to it. <laughs> right. And it took all kinds of luck to get within that one dice roll. Um, and yeah, it's it is it's a thing. I think this random list generator, if you are at all uh, unfamiliar with it, just Google Infinity Random List Generator. It comes right up. Um, it gives you some configuration options, so you can say like, I want a specific number of specialists or a specific number of units um, or specialist types even. But it makes you start to really kind of use your brain on the table. You know, what are the resources I have available? How do I use those to accomplish the mission? Um, and it gives you a broader understanding of the units that you have in your army. You know, if you're only taking, um, if you're only taking uh, the, uh, Dr. Worm, for example, right, in your uh, combined army as your engineer source, you're never even trying the Kurgat engineer. The portable autocam. Right, or the, um, or the, Yeah. I love that profile, right? But like, that's not a profile I would have right. probably discovered on my own. I think I started playing with it because like, I remember, the, I remember that generator. game. I'm like, wait you a minute, were at 33 inches, so, and you try to shoot my Janissary missile yeah. launcher in a, a vanilla hawk list, and we were at 33 inches, so I outranged you. Yep, yep. Yeah, that was awful. Oh, that was awful. But, but the 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 fact that I can move my my big honking gun into position while I'm also moving his little helper bot yep. into position. Um, is amazing and the, these are kinds of things that i wouldn't have thought of to even try um without using this so it's it's a fun tool you know should you bring it to a tournament maybe yeah uh john and i have done it, it went fine. <laughs> i don't think 
Yeah, I think it went fine. It would, I, I it lost the games I lost um, not because of my list, but because I made dumb decisions. I over-prioritized certain things, right? Like some, like if if you if you read my battle report blog, I've got probably uh, over two hundred games on there now, um, and um, yeah, it's it's a holy lot crap. Of uh, but yeah, like you know, if if you <laughs> if you read it, I basically never say it was a list fault. It was always some boneheaded thing that I did, almost always. Sometimes I'm like, I wish I had this instead of this. But then I always qualify, you know, clarify with like, well, it's probably mm-hmm. fine. And I, I think the the best uh, another way to like for me the best way to describe like the random list generator is um, putting you in the position where your forces have been shot to shit and you've got like what's up, what's left, right? Like you have a you had a link, it's right. now degraded because it got shot to shit, and you've got like three guys left, and it was like your filler stuff, right? You took you took the boarding shotgun profile because it was like two points cheaper, and now you got you got a problem to solve with this. What are you <laughs> right. gonna do? Right, that's what it does. Oh, it it is also sometimes the the list though of like I wonder what it would be like to take four assault hackers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then my random list rolls <laughs> like, a tag, and I'm like, oh. yeah, exactly. Um, so cool. So I think these are these are all really important principles for people to understand. So let's let's start yeah. putting this into practice, right? So we've got a couple lists here that you put together uh, for when we went to the best yep. of the Pacific Northwest. Um, 2020 or you went i don't think i uh, went. I don't think you did uh this was when you uh this was shortly after yeah. um your son was born so yeah oh that's um, right that's right that's right yeah, yeah right you know, you know that important <laughs> family duty thing whatever stuff yeah like, birthdays um, and yeah, yeah that's like what that. it was it was a birthday um but um yeah no it was his yeah. first birthday that's, that's important thing you should, that's, that's, you should intent, that's an important thing. um so yeah i went to the best of the pacific northwest run by uh tony cho up in uh up in uh, seattle Excellent, excellent gentleman. If you don't know him, you should. He's a, he's an amazing human. Um, and he uh, he gave us the following mission list: capture and protect, countermeasures, looting and sabotaging, power pack, and highly classified. He also added, yeah. Man, that's a that's a that's a that's that's yeah. A list right. Of it's, it's not it's not a simple <laughs> it's not a simple um, uh, list building exercise at all. Um, it is a lot easier than the Rose City Raid 2020, I want to say, uh, and um, <laughs> mostly because uh, the Rose City Raid doesn't cleanly divide into two list groups. So for for this particular yeah. um, mission set, it divides pretty cleanly. Looting and sabotaging and capture and protect are more or less the same in terms of what you require in terms of mobility. So... They naturally mm-hmm. fall together, and countermeasures and highly classified are just different flavors of the same mission. So you can easily run the same list. Power pack sure. is the wild card, and you can easily tailor both lists to fit that mission. Um, so I, I, I think I think that was a Makes that was sense. an easy thing. And depending on what faction you play, power pack will fall into either one of one of the other lists. Um, the other complications that Tony added was that this was a 400 point tournament. Um, so these lists will be quote unquote, you know, you have mm. all the things you want. Uh, he also made a tactical window to prevent ridiculousness, uh, like you know, thirty thirty order lists or something. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, and and I, I just want to make the point that uh, we'll be talking about these four hundred point lists in a moment, um, <clears throat> and uh, I I don't think it would be too difficult to bring them down to three hundred. I would just replace a lot of like the really giant heavy hitter things like Ratniks. I, I played vanilla Ariana. I would replace like Ratniks with things like Frontovix or like really value units that uh, offer a lot of like well-rounded capability and are also competent gunfire. So like Frontovix is a great example of that. So anyway, sure. the last thing that I did, oh, uh, cool. which was self-imposed, mm-hmm. was that there I have no burst four primary weapons. 
no HMGs, no Spitfires, no Molotovs, <laughs> none of that. Gone. Out the window. Holy crap. So, so hold on a second. So you're playing Vanilla yep. Ariadna yep. at 400 points with a 15-model yep. cap and no Molotovs, HMGs, blah, blah, blah. Like, no burst, no burst I mean, I, I had to let myself take assault pistols because then I can't do things like take burst guards in front of it because they all have them, right? So that seemed like a little bit too much. And I don't think I really used the assault pistol That's... with the exception of Uxia, and I ran the numbers. Boarding shotgun is about the same in terms of odds. So, yeah, Holy right? God. Like, that was that okay. was the restriction okay. that I placed myself on. That's... Yeah, it was a bad idea. I mean, this is this is the side effect of running Bromat Academy. Like, you sort of have to put your money where your mouth is and do the challenge yourself so you can write about it. It was it was challenging, but I don't feel like it was really detrimental. And it actually, I think, made definitely made me a better player. But I think I also placed better okay. than I would have had I taken the usual quote-unquote good stuff Ariadna. Spetsna's HMG, Vetkazic oh, HMG, because I was forced to take things that compensated for um, the lack of a heavy gunfighter by compensating with things like positional advantage, um, harder-hitting weapons, right? Um but that's not really the point of this. The point of this uh-huh. episode is talking about that. But anyway, so let's let's dive into sure. let's dive into the first list. Um, yeah, let's let's hear that first one. This is going to be the list that we do the yeah, classified yeah. missions so, with, so they'll be highly so classified. Let's, let's talk about let's talk about what we're trying to do, right? So how do we win the game? What's my what's my grand plan? So my 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 plan A is win by doing the classifieds, right? That's how you win the stupid game, and also prevent yep. your opponent from doing the classifieds. So what that means is I need a specialist hey. package to do all the classifieds. Like I need to do four observe things. I need to hack stuff. I need to engineer things. I need all those things, right? So I got I to gotta have them on my list. And the other thing is that um, I can't baby any of these units, right? I've got 15 orders. It sounds like a lot, but when you're going toe-to-toe with things like Yanhuo and like tags and stuff, like it takes a couple orders to take them down. So it's really not a lot. So I, I can't baby stuff by saying like I got to set mm-hmm. up an attack with you know, like a big fancy unit, like a, a, a Ratnik or um, like a, something with a T2 sniper, right? I got to, I got to, they all to be self-contained. So that's what I decided to do. Um, and it's in terms of making it hard for my opponent to do things, I need to do board control, right? That means taking deployables. That means taking stuff uh-huh. that exists in the midfield, right? So um, Infinity is a game of tactical combat, not strategic combat, right? Not area of operations. Like you're talking about like a small thing. So there's no such sure. thing as air superiority, but there is midfield superiority. I need to control the midfield and make it mine. You can't have it, right? So I got to control it. Uh, okay. And then I got to be able to do things like if there's a bunch of stuff that requires hacking and you only got one hacker, I got to kill your hacker. So I got to take what I, what magic players called spot removal, right? So like doom blades, that kind of thing, right? So like I, I go after, like I got to kill this one thing, uh, I don't care what, what resources it takes to, to do that. I'm willing to sacrifice this unit. Got to get rid of it. So I take spot removal. So let's take a look at the list. Um, so, you know, I've been, th- I went through a couple of iterations, right? So this is the version 2.1 of the list. Um, but, but let's just, let's just start. Uh, so mm-hmm. group one, um, I start uh, with Vasily, the uh, Lieutenant T2 sniper. Uh, I'll just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna read it and then I'll discuss it. Okay. So Vasily, Lieutenant T2 sniper is also a Ford observer. Tank hunter, portable auto cannon, two yep. chasseur mine layers. Uh, Mirage 5, that's Margo and Durak. A Briscard Ford Observer and a Zouave Sniper Rifle, Sapper. So that's group one. That's that's eight orders, right? Huh. Not including Durak's um, Impetuous. Then I've got group two, which is a, sure. a Dynamo Ford Observer. That's a bike. I've got a Scout Ford Observer. I've got Isabel McGregor, who's also a hacker. I've got a Briscard Paramedic for my second Briscard. I've got a Dozer. 
basically so I can cover my engineering thing and also take a tractor mule. And I've taken the unpopular one, the Uragon, instead of the Katyusha. And I did this because I'm a hipster, <laughs> but also I think the Uragon is actually pretty good. And to round things out, I've got Uxia, right? Because what vanilla Ariadna list is not complete without Uxia. Yep. Uh, okay. So let's talk about the specialist package, right? So in context, like how do I actually do the classifieds? So um, Vasily is there to be a Ford Observer. There's plenty of Ford Observer classifieds. Um, I don't generally intend to use him unless it's a last-ditch effort. So this is, again, going back to my redundancy plan. If my other Ford Observers die, I've got a lieutenant yep. who's got an extra order. So on turn three, I can go do that thing <clears throat> last-ditch, right? Um, my big workhorses sure, sure. are going to be the Briscards, right? They cover a huge amount of classifieds. Was I a better podcaster? Yeah. Yeah, I we talked about the... them. Yeah, yeah we I would talked about how many earlier. classifieds they cover, but between the two of them, they basically do everything that an engineer or hacker that you don't need an engineer. That's like all the things. Uh, they also don't do sabotage. That's, gross. that's a lot. Um, uh, okay, they, sure, sure. They are so completely self-contained, right? They they can gunfight. Um, uh, they deploy four inches forward, so they've already got advantage on movement. They're four four medium infantry, and if you get close, they'll just blast you, right? And and they have MSV one. Right. So sure. they, they're more than capable of getting. Yeah, exactly. What's they're fantastic. <laughs> um, so those are those are the things that I know I can rely on. I know how to use them. I can expect to get some. I can play the range bands with them. My positioning is super important because I don't have a burst four gun to rely on. I have to rely on stacking mods against you. And I that 24 inch range band. Right. Let's me find the hole in your coverage of range bands and exploit it. Right. That's why I chose that. Yeah. No, you've. You've definitely given me a um, a much healthier respect for Murph. And actually, what's funny is that um, going back to earlier when I was talking about when I was playing uh, Michael uh, Barakil, um, he is quite the Murph player as well. Uh, so I am not surprised that um, given the way that both of you think and kind of approach things, um, that there's definitely a lot of strength and value in in Merovingia uh, that might have been. Well, probably a little bit overlooked when they were yeah. you know still available. For sure. Um, yeah, those risk cards are just nasty. So tell me about the about the dynamo, right? Because that's a new model that is just gorgeous that I don't so, see that often. So I mean, often. it's it's a bike. It goes super fast, uh, and I want a fast button pusher because I'm I'm con like everything in this <clears throat> list wants orders. There's not there's no fat in this list. There are zero cheerleaders. Mm -hmm. I do not expect anything in here to just sit there, right? I mean, I mean, with the possible exception okay. of the dozer and tractor mule, but I will, I will reposition them to get better angles on approach vectors as I, because the the best the best coverage position for a TR bot might be three inches outside of mm -hmm. your deployment zone. I gotta spend an order to get there, right? So you gotta think about things like sure. that. Yeah, everything wants orders. So the fact that I can move really fast and get to where I need to go on a bike is great. It also does all sorts of other stuff. It completes, um, it makes the rest of the list more order efficient because it's got a smoke launcher. So I can I can I yep. can uh, okay, there throw you smoke go. out and then move free, assuming there's no MSV2 on the table, uh, which is great. Um, it also lets me help mash chasseurs out by by uh, shooting mines everywhere. It's got a mine dispenser, so I can I can uh, I can increase the density of exploding things in the in the midfield to get that midfield dominance that I want. Um, yeah, so I mean, there's, I, I got a lot of use out of it. It's also got a great gun package. I think it's like rifle and assault pistol. Who doesn't want that? Uh, and it will deliver that to the right range band because it's so mm -hmm. speedy. Um, so, yeah, no, that, that's, I mean, that's really, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the, you know, once once the world isn't uh, falling apart, um, kind of seeing that dynamo. Did you ever get it off the, off the bike in any uh, of your games? It's, 
Is that ever a thing? That's kind yeah, of yeah. The so they're not impetuous, do. so they can get off and shoot stuff while in cover. Um, I don't recall doing that in this tournament, but I have done it okay. in the past, and I found it to be effective. Um, nice. Yeah. So uh, another Ford Observer that I've got is the Scout. Um, the Scout has what I think is the best gun in the game. Uh, it's the Ohotnik, Oyotnik. I guess Oyotnik is the right way to say it. I don't know. It's an eight, yeah. It's an eight One inch. It's good range band is eight to thirty two. And so we just talked about we just talked about um, how their marksman rifle is good from eight to twenty four, and that lets you find holes in a lot of like okay. a lot of uh, other guns' range bands. The Yotnik is the best at doing that, and it's AP damage fourteen, which lets you challenge things like tags if they're out of cover. And the body it's attached to is a scout, which has marksman at level one, which means it's AP plus shock. So all those high armor things that are shock that are not shock immune are now vulnerable to this. So um, yeah, that is that is a massive yeah. plus three range. That is a, what twenty four inches of plus three range. That's quite a bit bigger than I guess what most people are used to. Where you talk about right. something like a combi, which is you know a si- total of a sixteen inch range. And same thing with a um, with a Spitfire and marksman rifle. You've got that sixteen inches right. of positive band. So having that extra twenty four inches, that's a lot yeah. of flexibility so, you have there. Uh, then then the detractors will immediately come follow up with, oh, it's burst two. Yes, it's burst two. Burst three, sure. better than burst two, unequivocally, right? However, um, there's <laughs> a if you if you spend a lot of time in the Infinity Dice Calculator, um, and uh, I learned this from Nate, one of our locals who spends an, an unreasonable amount of time in the Infinity Dice Calculator, especially when things don't uh-huh. go his way in games, um, uh, that plus three or minus three roughly equates to plus or minus one burst. So you have to look at this. The scout is going okay. to stack camo, stack cover. You're probably out of cover because I've maneuvered while in camo to get you out of cover. And I'm playing this ridiculous rain band, mm-hmm. range band against you. So it's possible that I have a quote-unquote sure. burst advantage due to my BS advantage. So so I'm mitigating the burst advantage. Interesting. If you play that out, if you play that out where you can engage a combi and they're negative three while right. you're in your plus three, that's exactly. a six point swing yeah. right there. And that's ignoring that's ignoring cover. Which is camo. roughly two burst. So, yeah. Yep. That's ignoring everything else. That's Yep. That's gross. It's I, also it's also got about. D charges. Okay, so So it covers sabotage. Oh, there you go. There's great. another there's another uh what's not to like. Yeah. And it can also work in the yep. leading in sabotage. Yep. Yeah. It also got it's also um, got mines to help with the midfield coverage. Right, so those are all great things. Um, yep. Body utility. Speaking of utility, there's a uh, Isabel, right? So she's got like some some dumb hacking, like okay. a white hacking device or something. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a nomad player. I'm very hacking device elitist, right? So I'm just like uh, boring. But I mean, it does <laughs> it, like for classifieds, you need one. She can do the hacking classified that you yeah. need. So I took her. Uh, and so basically, like rather than take, um, you know, uh, like I think you can take war drivers, right, in vanilla. Um, which is decidedly less interesting. This has, uh, she comes with an e-mauler, right? So going back to the very top of the episode where the most important thing is, does it have EM weaponry? Answer, yes. Uh, She's got a flash pulse to contest things, which is great. And she's got a (laughs) T2 rifle. So it doesn't matter what you are, you have to respect T2 ammo. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, even if you're, I guess you're for a wolf, you don't have to, but it's still burst three against a wolf. So, you know, whatever. Um, uh, But yeah, so she does, she does all the things. She is closer to the side of specialists that require support. She's only BS 11, um, and she, mm-hmm. she needs a little bit of mm-hmm. extra help, but she can absolutely clean up the other guy's chaff, right? So if there's like some random stuff in the midfield that you just need dealt with on the active turn, yeah, she can handle that. 
True. And and that random chaff could have right. dogged, which the T two will eat yep. right through, or NWI. Um, so that's that's fair. You might I could see taking her more often than than I gave her credit for in the past. Like I was always a little down on yeah. her. Um, but you're right. It's a it's a pretty big toolkit. So with all these, so we've talked a bit about your specialists, right? These are the people that they're going out there and quote right. unquote winning the game, right? But they won't be able to do it without. Yeah. something to clear the way right so what's what are you, what are you taking in this list that's going to be bashing people aside so you can go accomplish these missions for uh countermeasures so, and highly classified I mean, uh basically i like to call them murder by air, air mail right so margo and Durak. if you need something dead you know just call them in they'll take <laughs> care of it uh it's really hard to deal with a totally immune thing with two chain rifles and gr- all kinds of grenades like that just shows up at your deployment edge that's really Fair. tough to deal with. That'll It'll punch a hole in stuff. Um, yeah, and then and then Margot will drop grenades on you on 11s. Like that's that's spec fire too, not not direct fire. So if that's going to beat most dodges at minus three, and uh, you know damage 13 is, is damage thir- is still damage 13 when it's ignoring your cover. So that's you have to respect it. Um, that's the thing. So yeah, I mean those those two guys have done a lot of work for me for sure. Um, one important thing about planning, right? So uh, when you plan for Duroc, you're like, okay, he's a big murder beast. I want to get him into the fight immediately, and he's impetuous, so he has to come in uh, on a table edge. I mean, he's 81, he's 82, right? So um, he's got to come in on a table edge unless you start him on the table, which you probably shouldn't do. But um, uh, so mm-hmm. you're like, okay, well, what happens if they've thought of this and they have got a bunch of stuff watching the table edge? So that's that was Plan A gone. Right. You can commit to Plan A and say, well, he's totally immune. I'm going to ignore this missile shot. Okay, you can probably survive. You can that. survive. But can you survive a missile shot, two combi shots, and a pistol shot? Maybe not. Right. So, plan B. Right. So when you, so this is what this is go back to like when you when you put a guy in your list, what's plan B for this guy? Well, Jirak is six four. He's very fast. He's super jump, so he can ignore most obstacles. He can get to where he needs to go, uh, even if he comes in very close to your deployment zone edge. So if you're if you if the, your opponent is aware that Margaret and Jirak are a threat. Uh, and they've planned for it by watching the table edges, you can just bring them on uh, behind a building or something near your t- deployment zone and then move them up later. That's totally fine. Then that reduces the amount of yep. pressure on your mental resources too. You just like, oh yeah, he's there. I'll use him when I need to next turn. Moving on with the turn, right? So that's a great thing. Um, the other stuff, like the MVP of the tournament was absolutely the Tank Hunter autocannon. Um, see, okay. like, the, it's a, he falls directly into the... the the shell, uh, the the camo shell game that Ariadne excels at, like that might be a mine, could be a yep. shot, could be a chasseur, or it could be a giant freaking cannon, right? <laughs> well, the yeah, I mean the auto cannon definitely makes up for its low burst by the fact that you only yeah. need to hit them once. You hit them twice, it's real good. <laughs> so in game <laughs> in game one, I think it was, um, I played uh, okay. I played James, I think it yeah, uh, it must have been game. Game two. Yeah, I played game, uh, James game two, and I brought out the tank hunter and just annihilated his Yanho in one shot. It was it was gross. So like it that is the spot gross. If and it's got the uh, it's got the camo state to get to the angle it needs to go to to remove remove the the, the threat uh-huh. that you need to remove. It will do, it will just do it. Um, and then the rest of the stuff is just is mostly is mostly um, mostly board control. Um, so uh, the chasseurs and the zouave. Right, so the Zwaf serves as a as a mm-hmm. backup 
to spot removal, it's a sniper with zapper, so it can start in mimetism and cover anywhere anywhere on the table, right? It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter That's if pretty you nasty. have no cover. You can make your own cover because of Sapper. Um, so it's really great. And huh. uh, and then of course I would be remiss uh-huh. if I didn't mention Uxia because she is the queen of spot removal and she sure. pushes button and she's got smoke. So uh, she'll do all the things that you need. Um, so I guess uh, we can we can do a little bit of talking about deployment. Um, yeah, let's talk a little bit yeah, how you so deploy let me see this. See if mass. I can find. Um... And so just just looking at it from from first glance, you've got yep. plenty of camo. You've got a fair amount of it. Not it's not a fully camouflaged list like some people might expect um, to come out of Vanilla Ariadna, but you also have a fair amount that's still in your deployment zone. You know, even though you've got um, like the tank hunter in there, the tank hunter, I guess for deploy one, um, right. but a lot of stuff has has to kind of hang right. back. So so here's here's a here's a game of uh, countermeasures. So you can see I've deployed my three HVTs okay. on the left here, right. And I'm guarding them uh-huh. uh, with uh, Shasura mine layers, basically. So they're they're my board control because in countermeasures, I think we drew a bunch of stuff at the beginning that uh, was HVT related. So it made a lot of sense to control okay. the area around my HVTs. Mines and flamethrowers are great for that, right? So that's exactly what happened there. Yep. And then the right yep. side of the table had some approach vectors that I was concerned about, so I covered that with my Urigan. So you'll note that there's lots of very tall okay. buildings. This is Adam von Steinberg's table. And he's got all these tall buildings here. And the Oregon yep. can't actually see anything that's over 16, right? So, I mean, this, oh. this, corner, this corner here not bad is him. pretty close to 16. I mean, it uh-huh. ends up being like 18, right? But for all intents and purposes, okay. it's pretty damn okay. close. Um, and so I can control this area pretty well with this Irrigan and this area pretty well with the Irrigan and any threats that end up on this roof here, I'm safe from. So if James puts like some nasty sniper mm. or missile launcher thing over there, my Tierra bot is totally safe. He can't deal, deal with it. Right. So interesting, you have to interesting. find, like, it's not like a regular Tierra bot cause it has rifle range bands. So you can't just be like, ah, screw it. It's an HR, it's an HMG Tierra bot. I'm just going to throw it here and it'll be fine no matter what. Right, you have yeah. to really carefully pay attention to the engagement range of this bot. So that's why I did it that way. Um, then I've got a Briscard FO up here because most of... Uh, so you'll note this difference, right? So Briscard FO on top, Briscard Paramedic on the bottom. The reason for that is because FO objectives can be done at range and Paramedic ones cannot. So oh. I need to be in physical contact and there's okay. no way off that roof, basically. Once he's up there, he's up there. And that lets me control... That lets me exert pressure very easily. So you can like the, all these big buildings separate the table into many different zones, right? This big central building basically separates into a left and a right zone. That brisk guard can respond to both uh-huh. sections of the table within basically an order. So it gives me deployment flexibility that way. Mm-hmm. Um, then mm-hmm. I gamble... Um, with uh, and uh, the Zwab just sort of sat in the middle watching this very long fire lane, right? That's an easy easy thing to explain. Uh, and the dozer's back sure. at the Oregon in case yeah. it goes down. The dynamo's on the right to do fast movement things. Makes sense. I gambled on um, on Isabel here. Uh, I, I assumed that okay. uh, I probably would be able to hack something on the right. Most of the hacking objectives are like hack an enemy dude. I was like, James is going to have a dude on the right probably. So I just put her there and that was a safe place because right. there was, there's a lot of density in the, in the mid right and on the left for me. So I said, forget it. And then um, I did a little bit of mind fuckery to leave Vasily's um, ambush camo marker out as it was ready to arrow, but he's there as spot removal. So anything contesting this long mm. range that my Zouave is watching, I could do <clears throat> a coordinated order to remove. Right. So I set up as part of my plan because I'm going I first. See. I was like, I don't know what James has got. I know he's playing vanilla Yujing. That's all I know. So I knew, I imagine he's going to have some like big scary thing. 
So I, I decided to, to set up a yep. coordinated yep. order on whatever that big scary thing is with really scary stuff myself, right? A, a, uh, a, a sure. sniper and a T2 sniper that comes out of camo. Um, and then so James set up his stuff and then uh, our reserves were Uxie and the Yanhuo. So behind this billboard, what you don't see is a second TR bot. So there's two TR bots on this roof here watching Ooh. his... Um, Watching here's a, here's a reverse view. So his HVTs are hiding basically in the middle in a line. So what he chose to do was uh, he protected them all with a bunch of Libertos mines and an EMR from Crit. So he can he he uh, put all of his eggs in one basket and decided to really cover that with all of his units. That's what he decided to do, which is a valid strategy. Mm -hmm. I went for a slight compromise by spreading my HVTs out. Um, and having a, a more balanced deployment by having two chancellors there, but he had a limited number of units because he had a lot more heavy hitting stuff than I did, like the Yanho. Um, so my response yeah. to the the um, the uh, TR bots is Uxia. I over-infiltrated her, sat her on the rooftop, and I always figured I'd just assault pistol them down. I'm coming out of camo, um, and I'm probably likely to win that. And so his response was uh, he put down uh, the Yanho to contest the fight against Uxia, right? So now okay, that I'm yeah. looking at this deployment, um, it, it so happened that basically all of the um, all of the classifieds could be done by the brisk card paramedic and they're all HVT related so <laughs> so so no oh, like, but, but see this is not luck right people might say like oh you got lucky it's like no 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 I planned for this I planned for the fact that the paramedic can right. do a ton of the a ton of the different classifieds especially the ones that involve HVTs that's right? fair. so I think I had like a uh, uh, I had the doctor one and the, I had rescue or some whatever like you grab the HVT run away with it and then like another one was like uh, MSV the HVT whatever that one is yeah so yeah, like it can one. do all of those things it has all those tools um, and so I planned for that it wasn't it wasn't by you know providence so um, but in order to get rid sure. of it I needed to uh, in order to set that up I needed to get rid of the TR bots so my plan was you know I have to get rid of uh, the Husongs which Uxia did just fine. Um, and then the rest of my, and, and then I had an opportunity to, um, go after the Yanho, which I thought was his Lieutenant. And I was right. Let me make sure that making stuff up. Um, yeah, Yanho Lieutenant. So, uh, I was like, well, uh, part, so my plan for the first turn, right? You always have to have a plan was, okay, develop the position of the Briscard to do my classifieds. Part of that was I needed to get Duroc on the board to provide smoke. So I did that. And then also I need to get rid of, uh, I need to do the classify, which is what I did first. And the second thing I did was like, well, I need to get rid of the Yanho because that prevents James from being able to do his classified because that puts it. So, so basically yep. like after I did that, then the, the game was basically mine after that, because I, I had, I had a, I had a very early huh. classified lead um, as a result of the Briscard being hyper efficient and James making the gamble that I wouldn't be able to tag all three guys in one sweep, right? And then losing his lieutenant first turn was, was a tough call. So, you know, by preparing the right amount of spot removal, right? Uxia took care of the TR bots for me. Um, the tank hunter took care of the Yanho. And then I had the right specialist who was self-contained, did not need support. The Briscard literally just burned all the orders in that group and just did the thing. Because, you know, yeah. That, no, that sounds that sounds perfect. I mean, that basically is the like all yeah. the points we talked about above, right? You had a plan, you had the tools, you applied the tools to the plan. You know, you had your you had your how do I deal with yep. ARO threats? Uxia did that quite well. Um, and then how do I win the mission? So that sounds pretty fantastic. And I think in the um in the uh the, for the sake of time, since we are at two hours and fifteen, why don't we um Maybe skip over what you did for uh, the next mission and jump over sure. to your second yeah. list. Let's, let's talk about the second list. Um, 
I'll, yep. I'll sort of I'll sort of talk about the list uh, and then and then uh, maybe do a few <clears> sketches <throat> of, of what the what the uh, the plan was there and we don't have to go through the whole mission. But so um, looting and sabotaging is a very challenging mission because it requires a huge amount of uh, constraints on your list. And I may have overreacted a little bit in retrospect, but I, I, I think this is a reasonable list. Sure. So uh, let's just go through it um, just down the line. So I took uh, Vasily Lieutenant again, Ford Observer, but this time I took the T2 Marksman Rifle and not the Ford Observer. And the reason I did this is because uh, he, he it's a better gunfighter when I'm advancing and has decharges and yep. it's my lieutenant so I can actually go blow up the AC2. Yeah. He then can I do took, a lot of uh, stuff. First Strike Dawn, the um, Defiance character. Uh, the Tank Hunter makes another sure. appearance. I took a Strelok K9 unit. Um, the Scout, again, this time with an E-Mauler um, because I figured okay. things that uh, would be bashing my AC2 probably would be vulnerable to it. Um, I took the dynamo again to provide smoke, two Shasser mine layers as part of my board control package. Um, now I, I, now I took, and then I took a dozer with two tractor mules, both irrigans to really defend my AC2. Uh, I took a Lugaru bio rifle, uh, just as a, as mm. a midfield presence thing. Uh, it ended choice. up being relevant in the sense that I could have done something smarter in my game against, um, Leif with it, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, Pavel okay. as another, as another scout slash AC2 stabber um then uh Uxia, of course because she's an excellent ac2 assassin and then i took a ratnik uh, the hrl version which is uh generally the frowned upon version um but i think what? that um it is excels at um being an arrow piece against things in the midfield so i'll talk i'll maybe maybe we'll look at my deployment mm. for that and talk about that so my board control package right as we talked about is the Urigans, right? <clears throat> whatever, like the whatever attacks the AC2 is going to yep, get one yep. shot, and then after that, it's going to take six dice worth of, <sighs> you know, AP plus shock templates. So, was it the last time I played Steel Phalanx? Where I went yeah, up against your double Urigan? I think I create Achilles, Patroclus, oh, and Eudorus, or something like that, right? All of them on the table. <clears throat> yep. Um, yep. Of course, the double Shasaurus we talked about, and then I'll talk about the Ratnik HRL in a little bit. Um, in terms of spot removal, because part of this is making it hard for them to get rid of the AC2 as well. So again, we saw how effective the tank hunter was. The scout can do it. The Ratnik can do it. Pavel and Oxy are great at doing that as well. Um, the Dynamo can do it in a pinch. Um, and then, of course, you need some fast movers like the K9. So in terms of the things that can accomplish the mission, the only things that cannot accomplish the mission are the Dynamo, the Chessors, the Urigan, and the Luguru. That's it. Everything else can Whoa. do over over half the That's... list can do the mission. So I have a huge amount of redundancy, um, and a lot of the things in there For are sure. fast, and most of the things in there are self-contained. Like Caden is a BS12 TG rifle. He'll he'll get there because he's got climbing plus two. If you got something in the way, he'll grenade his way to victory. Right. So a lot of these things are are very right. self-contained. Are more than happy to fight their way to the objective. Uh, it just turns out kind yeah. of an interesting an interesting thought. Um, going back a little bit about your yeah. the whole spot removal. Um, this is kind of a principle that I don't think I hear discussed a lot by players, but makes a lot of sense in context. You don't often need a piece that can murder everything. You know, you don't need the, the Krizaborak as the answer to every ARO piece. You just need something that can get yep. a hit, right? Because oftentimes it just takes that one hit to take the, you know, to take the ARO piece either out of action or 
at least make them not a threat anymore. Even if you're shooting against something that's heavy infantry, if that heavy infantry doesn't have courage, they could fail a guts check and go prone. Um, and so when you're using something like the tank hunter with the burst two weapon, the scout with the burst two weapon, the ratnik with the burst two weapon, um, Pavel, you know, another sniper with a burst two weapon, all these are really focused around the idea that a single hit is usually all you need to minimize that threat. You don't need to kill everything on the table. You just need to kill the one thing. Right, exactly. So um, let's talk about deployment really quick. I lost this game. Um, it was not because of the list. It was because I let Leif go first with a Marut Achilles lift. That's why I lost. Uh, of course, Leif okay. is, a, is, a, is an excellent player. He made amazing decisions, and I responded poorly to Achilles being shoved down my throat. Um, you know, just for, like, I'm not trying to make myself feel better or anything, but just, just, just to, just to ex- <laughs> express the importance of mental state, uh, this was game three of a very taxing day. Um, you know, I played two excellent players round one and round two. Leif is an amazing player, and he showed up with a really, really challenging list, and I made the mistake of letting him go first, um, and then everything fell apart, and I responded poorly. So that's that's what happened. That's why I lost. But uh, let's talk about my deployment just so I can make the point about the, the Ratnik. So um, yeah. here you can see my deployment, right? So it's pretty standard. There's a bunch of Chesters covering the thing, a bunch of Urgens covering the thing. Uh, but the Ratnik, let's look at the Ratnik's placement. The Ratnik is not covering a fire lane that really reaches past the center line. So the Ratnik is here, right? All the Ratnik can see is this mm-hmm. area here in case Leif brings in some AD troop. I don't know how he would do it there, but he might. Um then it's covering this area here. This uh sign thingy with the green top basically covers my line of fire to the his deployment zone. I can't really get any shots off over there at all. But it does cover this general area here, right? Which is in 32, and whatever is moved up this far is probably not something that's designed to fight at that range, especially in looting and sabotaging, right? So this is probably out of range mm-hmm. for Spitfire. So I'm still I'm still beating it with my 32-inch range band on the HRL, which will put you down no matter what you are, right? Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not exposing myself to some crazy sniper nonsense. Of course, you know, there's always a proxy mark II in every A-left list, right? And it's there, and it's ready to take out my Ratnik, which is not what happened, but, you know, he, Leif did have an answer, and this is why he won the game. Because he, he definitely outplayed me, but that that's basically the the um, the plan there for that. So yeah, um, yeah, no, I think that's that's pretty clever. I really like how your list. Um, it, going back to kind of some of the principles we touched on earlier, you've got some pieces that are that are very purposeful pieces, like the tank hunter, right? Like it does the one thing, it pops up and it shoots the thing with the big bullet, right. and then the guy goes away, right? Like um, or even actually that's probably the best example of it. Or yeah. uh, first strike. Right in this list, like he's not a very versatile piece. He goes yeah, and he smashes exactly. the thing, um, and so you've got those. But you also have quite a bit. Uh, we'll say the attractables. Single, they're they're mostly just defensive mm-hmm. little turrets, right? Um, obnoxious defensive turrets. But then you have a lot of really powerful pieces that can cover a lot of bases at once. Um, Vasily, Pavel, right. Yusha um, are good examples in this list. Your other list was almost entirely uh, all yep. these utility pieces. Um, and so I think that's really that's really clever. I like the way you broke it you broke it down between these roles. Yeah, um, I just want to make one point about the um, about the Luguru. So so turn one, mm-hmm. um, you know, basically what happens is uh, uh, Leif runs a Myrmidon, smokes some stuff up. Achilles basically does what Achilles does, and Achilles ends um, he ends in this is this is a picture that's later. 
Yeah, so Achilles, after killing my AC2, here's here's the AC2, which Achilles beat the crap out of, and he ends here in um, in Suppressive Fire. Yep. And he had shot at my Ratnik, and my Ratnik was here, if you recall, and I snuck him back around this building like that, and I ended up trying to engage him with the Ratnik. Uh, and I figured that would be a okay. reasonable thing, because even though Achilles is... Uh, is um, ODD, I've got a shotgun, and I'm arm nine in cover or something ridiculous, right? So I feel pretty good about my odds. Um, and I ended up doing this until I got behind this tiny piece of cover prone here and started shooting an HRL at good range with the intent of burning off his ODD. So that was that was my that was my uh, inside the box thinking, using my biggest tool possible. And I was like, I feel comfortable with threatening. I've practiced it in the last couple of games. I know what I, I can expect out of it. And I, I want my my objective was like, oh my god, here's this like big beefcake. I need to reduce the amount of uh, dice problems that I have by removing his ODD, so the HRL is a sure. choice. I actually started by trying to get a Chessor into play, right, and burning off his ODD, but then uh, I got sniped by the Proxy Mark II, which I had no idea where it was, so I, my Chessor got pinned down. Whoops. The, uh, what, the tool that I missed, which would have been absolutely pivotal, was on the other side of this building from where uh, Achilles is, within eight inches, is a Lugaru with stun grenades. Oh... Uh... Right? So even if okay. Achilles dodges, now he's not in suppression anymore. If he fails the, the double yep. BTS rolls, then I'm at my leisure to shoot him with the HRL all day, right? From from complete yeah. with the complete yeah. impunity, because there's nothing watching the Ratnik, right? And eventually I'll kill Achilles. And then my entire back line is safe. That would have been, that that been, been really, really smart, smart which is you. why I didn't do it, because I'm dumb, right? Uh, so but I mean like the, the, but these are these are the reasons why I take random things right people are like why what is that luger doing they're like well, you you did it right when i was explaining the list you're like that's a weird choice yeah why is the luger in there and the answer is yeah. well i expect to face things that are shock immune or i expect to, with the nwi i right. expect to face things that um you know have crazy armor but no bts like in the ariadna mirror match and sometimes you just need a sun mm-hmm. grenade and I, I forgot, I forgot that I needed Lever. it. I forgot that I had it. And I, and in fact, grenades ended up winning me the moral victory, uh, because um, I, I, I have to do this because, because uh, life would be sad if I didn't. Achilles challenged my tank hunter in close combat, <laughs> and I, I, I beat oh, him goodness. with a, uh, with a CC charge, uh, and I put him down to one wound, and then my, and then Caden finished him off with a grenade. So. <laughs> So oh, I will, I will, I will take it. Yeah, D-charge right. I mean, like I've done that twice in my life right now against CC specialists. I've decharged a Hulang with my Metro, and now I've decharged Achilles with, uh, with the Tank Hunter. So everything is good. This is why Arian is good, folks. Random things have decharged is you can slap them on people in close combat. That is terrifying. Exactly. Clearly, it's the 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 melee decharge, which yeah. is why. Yeah, tank absolutely. That's how you good. should be. You should be trying to do that. It's basically the same as Kitsune in close combat. Right? It's. It's it, yep. completely the same. No difference. <laughs> I couldn't even tell them apart in the picture. Um, well, awesome. No, thank you, John, for sharing those lists list with us and kind of the thought that you went into building with them. Uh, how did you do the placing overall? Third. Yep. You placed third uh, out of 20 something, 20, no, 20 something. A dozen people. or so. Whoa. With, with no with burst, no four, burst yeah. four. Let me see. No and link no teams. No link teams. Uh, in vanilla Ariadna that wasn't camera. Yeah, so there was, I'm just looking at my second my second day. So I ended with two majors, two minors, and a loss. Losses to Leif. Um, I was in third place out of 20 something. First place was Ryan Halfjacks, who is consistently in first place in a lot of events. He's from, sure. he's from Canada. And then Leif, uh, Norse Compass, placed second, uh, right above me. Okay. 
that's that's really freaking impressive. I mean, I I think it, <clears throat> I mean it just it's just uh, you know playing playing positionals, right? Yeah, no, but again, like just thinking about like the the internet talk, right? Like says that Ariadna sucks if they're limited on how many orders they can take, right? Or um, at four, you know, especially when you're talking four hundred point game, um, or if you're playing vanilla and you spell camo spam, right? Like you took a lot of kind of random stuff there, and again, no Spetsnaz HMGs, no Vetkazic yeah. HMGs. That's a uh, that's. That's I mean, impressive. I mean, I'll be honest. I did it purely for hipster points. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got them, sir. <laughs> like, I mean, like, uh, uh, I mean, I like Vet Kazix just as much as any other Ariadna player. But I gotta say, I, I, uh, I just don't want to play as best as Spetsnaz HMG. I'm not saying they're bad. They're very good. I just find them very boring. Th- that's fair. I, I get that. I mean, I think you and I both kind of build a little bit weird list sometimes for the same reason or it's like yeah i could take that thing but like that thing's yeah. always good like it'd be weirder and more interesting to take you know something a little different so i think with that we've uh we've wrapped up our main our main course and i'm curious if i'm gonna open it up right now to the people that are in our stream chat uh see if anybody has any questions for us and while we're waiting for those questions john um why don't we tell a little bit people about how they can uh how they can find and support the yeah, podcast. so you can watch us on YouTube, uh, of course, on Twitch. Uh, the Twitch stuff will eventually go away. The YouTube, YouTube stuff is permanent. Um, we are the Dice Abide Live on any podcast client you might be interested in. Um, you can support us on Patreon. Uh, there's a couple of different... There's, yeah, there's a couple of different... Please do. Yeah, we'll, we'll send right you stuff. <laughs> uh, we'll do a drawing, and uh, we'll send you stuff if you win the drawing uh, after we hit a certain level that allows us to sustain that, of course. Um, we're gonna we're gonna be giving you um, uh, the chance to win a mini sculptured by uh, sculpted by uh, the lovely Obadiah Hampton, uh, either Adam or myself. Adam is a drunk Yanyan. I'm a drunk Monstrucker. Uh, so so there's a theme here. That's right. Uh, I'm definitely. Yeah. And if we can if we can get the uh, if we can get enough people supporting us on Patreon, we've we're plan- already planning out the um, the next miniature to be sculpted by Obadiah, which again we raffle off every month to. Uh, Patreon backers, which is, yep. it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna. I mean, Obi is just such a fantastic sculptor, and and help you know helps with the show. Um, yeah. So with that, let's see here. Uh, well, Sporky Quinn. Well, thank you too. You know, <laughs> um, we do this purely because it's a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, it, it it brings for for me personally the reason why I write the stuff that I write is because it helps bring deeper understanding of the subject to me. Likewise. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's kind of self-serving, but like whenever I start a new army, the first thing I start doing is writing all these articles about every single unit in that army on my blog. And it's because it open, it gives me the opportunity to sit down and one by one, go through everything in the army and be like, what does this thing do? Um, and that's why usually the order that I do them in is like, here's the staple unit. Like here's the Thrakatai Myrmidons up first, um, and then I go on to like the weirder stuff, and then I get on to like Achilles. You know, like I think I actually just recently um, reviewed Kornak for my Morats because I I didn't ever actually do it like from from eight months ago. <laughs> and somebody somebody pointed out they're like, when are you gonna get her out of that? And I was like, oh, I guess I didn't, did I? Well, I, like he's he's good to take him if you want a lieutenant in another order. 
like <laughs> he will he will shoot the things um and he's kind of tough you know but it's really being able to start analyzing these more complex units ahead of time um that's fun yep. well great so it looks like we don't have any yep. questions tonight uh, so uh yeah I think i'll just do time. a quick a uh, few quick plugs um let's see oh, yeah. so right now Broman academy at bromanacademy.com is running a uh, code one um mission so write in play a game of code one responsibly right with the covid stuff um write in about how it went or what your thoughts are about the different point levels whatever whatever jumped out at you uh, let us know about it uh, we're also running a code one themed painting contest through the end of the quarter so that's the end of june uh, paint anything that you can take in code one and send it to us usual rules apply um four pictures send us a before picture as well um you know i'm not going to be super restrictive so if, if it's base coded or primed that's fine I, you know enjoy the hobby this is not a chore right um and then next month's right. uh next month's mission will be take a ford observer bot uh whatever flavor that is in your army take one try it out see how it goes um and of course the the uh the painting contest and then next week's uh dice abide episode um, it's going to be about uh, our uh, terrain and and how how we do things in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, and um, yeah. Is it? Oh, okay. I thought it was going to be Blood Bowl. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. It is about Blood Bowl. There, I'm, I'm I'm out of it. Yeah, it'll be about Blood Bowl. So that's happening. Never mind. I'm not I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna edit that out. Right, because edit, the the point the no, point of this fine. is to not edit things because that's a huge time time sink. So yeah, we're we'll be talking about we'll be talking about Blood Bowl no, next it, week, and uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty of games to talk about, and we could even play one live, uh, if you wanted. Oh my um, god, that'd be hilarious! But no, it, it, I think that that's a um, a great segue. Like, yeah, we're gonna talk about Blood Bowl next week. This is primarily an Infinity podcast, but we're we're nerds yeah. and we play lots of games, uh, and I think that it's interesting because we've got you. Um, maybe we'll try yep. to get Peter Franco back. Or Obi, or Obi. Actually, I think Obi might almost be a little bit better in this case because neither you nor Obi really played Blood Bowl before we no, started this. No, not really. League. No. Uh, like I taught you one or two games. I think I taught Obi a game, and that's only a vague recollection, you know. And now you guys are uh, you're, you're oh in. Oh my god! Yeah, you're all in. <laughs> it's Blood really fantastic. So it'll be really fun to talk to both of you and kind of get the the perspective of a new player coming into a game which is getting new sculpts, but it's a twenty year old. You know, it's the, the current edition of the rules is from 2016, but it's really not modified from yeah. years before that. From I think There's over mild 10 balance years changes that. and a couple uh, of extra bits and bits and bobs. I mean, really mild balance changes. Like other than the the change to piling on, which is a whole different discussion. But like that's that's basically it um so it's been it's been mostly unchanged for you know almost two decades and here you guys are new players I mean like sports yeah. ball all my sports knots <laughs> on the table doing so, sports ball things right so it'd be really fun to get to get your guys perspective on on a game that that is yeah venerable I'll talk about the experience of getting my first grand slam it's really good felt felt great when that happened <laughs> oh man well all right guys Hey, everyone, it's that time. You've wasted another perfectly good evening listening to the Dice Divide Live. Um, be sure to catch us on Facebook, YouTube, anywhere that you get podcasts. Please uh, subscribe to us on all the things. 
um, in particular Twitch. You know, once we get a certain number of people, we could actually might be able to start, I don't know, getting some funding. Um, so it'd be fantastic if all of you guys helped out any way you could yeah, there. We can upgrade um, the webcam from the 90s you know, that I'm using because Adam hates it. It's it's a little rough, John. I mean, you look so much better <laughs> in high I? definition. Is what it is. We we don't we don't need the Vaseline lens, uh, disguising you know hiding <laughs> your features. Um, so yeah, if you enjoyed the show, please give us a you know if you if you listen to us on a podcast, please give us a five star rating on uh, iTunes. Um, follow us on Twitch, YouTube, etc. This all helps us yeah. bring you the best. Click possible the buttons. Click click click. You can do it. We believe in you. Click the. Clickety click. Yep. It costs you nothing. You know, you might get. It'll give you a. Uh, you'll get some annoying notifications yep. that you can turn off. So please follow us and turn off <laughs> notifications. There you go. All right. Stay safe. Stay sane out there. All right, guys. Take care. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.